Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this. More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact. Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents... The Jim Ross Report with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross and now the man himself, good old JR. Yes, indeed. And hello again, everybody. Welcome to Slobber Knocker Audio. I am Jim Ross. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate uh, you listening to our program and subscribing, by the way, in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or however you listen to your audio. Uh, and don't forget to leave us that five-star rating that we 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 covet so much. Uh, today, part two of my conversation with Dave Meltzer, covering a variety of topics, and also a first-timer, the voice of Ring of Honor Wrestling, the very talented Ian Riccoboni will be joining us as well. Uh, and with Ian, we will talk about Ring of Honor's uh, huge pay-per-view coming up next Friday, December 14th, called Final Battle. Uh, so we're looking, I'm looking forward to that conversation, quite frankly. Uh, Ian Class Kid, he and uh, Colt Cabana did a real good job on the Ring of Honor product, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Also, I want to thank uh, uh, Dave Meltzer for answering my crazy questions, which you'll hear a little bit later on the program. And uh, don't forget that uh, uh, today, as we record this, is the fourth day of Hanukkah. I want to say uh, uh, hello and Happy Hanukkah to my the, my super agent, Barry Bloom. He's a super agent now. He has T-shirts. Uh, so uh, we, we have, it'll wrap up on Sunday evening for the Jewish families around the world. Enjoy that, as you should. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we got so much to get. we got a lot of ground to cover here, man. Uh, we have got a lot of things to get to. So right now, without any further ado, here's what's on my mind. Certainly leading off what's on my mind uh, is acknowledgement and out of respect uh, regarding the death of the 41st president of the United States, George H.W. Herbert Walker Bush. He died last Friday. Uh, as we record this on Wednesday, uh, President Bush's funeral was uh, proceedings were beginning in, in the rotunda in the White House uh, in Washington, D.C., he was quite the man, boy. You talk about a guy that lived a full life. He was the father of a, the 43rd president, a former governor of Texas, the father of a former Florida governor. And for us wrestling folk, he was a big wrestling fan. He's personal friends with promoter Paul Bosch in Houston, very well uh, publicized their relationship. And also uh, one of my mentors, uh, was mentored by Mr. President Bush, and that would be Ernie the Big Cat Lad. Ernie was also from that Golden Triangle area, uh, and 
Orange, Texas, I think Ernie was from. So Ernie and the, and, and the former president were very good friends at that time. I thought Raw did a nice job kicking off uh, their show with a remembrance of uh, President Bush. And uh, ironically, from Houston, his last hometown. And, he, and remember also, I may have mentioned this on the broadcast somewhere down the road uh, back in the day, that uh, George Bush was also Wahoo McDaniel's Little League baseball coach in Midland, Texas, when H.W. Uh, uh, Bush was out there uh, drilling oil wells in the oil business. So uh, a great president, a great statesman, classy man, uh, a, a good man, a good man, which I believe should be a prerequisite for any public servant be a good man or woman, as the case may be. Also, uh, on Wednesday morning, here today, as we record again, uh, we hear the sudden passing of Tommy Billington, also known as the Dynamite Kid. Ironically, today's uh, Tommy's birthday. He, he, he turned 60. He turned 60, and he, and he passed away earlier today uh, in, in the U.K. One of the most influential innovative in-ring performers that I ever saw. That covers a lot of ground, a lot of years. He influenced a lot of talents. If you go back and find the match, I think around 82, uh, the Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask, uh, it was amazing. And if you watch it from 82 now, you're going to say, well, I, I, see that, I see those kind of moves or this, these transitions or uh, these segues today. That's how far he was ahead of the game. Uh, so a, a cruel irony that the man who trained, and I think one of the reasons Tommy was so good is he got his experience in the ring in front of a paying audience in Britain as a teenager, like 14 or 15 years old. Mexico, another different style. The, the Stu Hart Dungeon in Calgary, another style. And then in Japan, even more influence and in technique and stylism. So uh, Tommy did it right. I don't know if he knew he was doing it right, but he got experience. You got to think, well, maybe he, he went to wherever he could get booked. But in the process of going where you could get booked and make some decent money, he learned different styles and different presentations. So it allowed his game to always be changing and evolving. And again, he didn't have any problem, uh, no problems whatsoever uh, regarding uh, uh, changing things, becoming unique, and, and staying different. Uh, I know that the, the diving headbutt that Harley Race uh, invented was a move that uh, Dynamite used because he was influenced by Harley. And I heard Harley say on social media recently that he wished he'd never invented that hole because he felt like that it had an adverse effect on a lot of the talents, especially the Dynamite Kid. Uh, Tommy also, like many of us, uh, had his demons and uh, had battles, sometimes internally, and they didn't, he didn't always win those battles. I know the feeling. Uh, so he, he did not live long enough. He did not die happy, as I understand. Uh, the last time I saw him, he was in a wheelchair. He was very nice to me, and people said that's very unusual because – He's very bitter, and but he was not bitter to me. And as my old philosophy in life goes, guys, you know, I've said this before, you know, I, I really have a hard time treating somebody different than the way they treat me. If you treat me good, you get, it's reciprocal. 
you treat me like a plate full of PP, we ain't going to be buddies. So uh, rest in peace, Tommy Billington. Uh, and folks, you go back and look at this. Uh, round 82, could be on YouTube, could be a WWE Network probably. Uh, Tommy Tiger Mask, uh, Satoru Siyama, who was a pretty damn good hand himself. So uh, the Dynamite Kid will be missed. His memory will last a lifetime. In other stories, uh, I saw where Vince McMahon sold $23 million of the stock in the last few days. You think this would be a good time to ask for a raise? <laughs> Maybe he's gearing up to give me a nice Christmas gift. I'll, I'll accept. Uh, but that's a lot of hard work, man. And he still owns 87% of the stock, I think. Must be nice. Uh, speaking of WWE, they decided not to run NXT TakeOver head-to-head with the Ring of Honor New Japan Madison Square Garden show on Saturday, April 6th. Instead, NXT will now take place on Friday night, uh, April the 5th, at Barclays. And therefore, the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony will then move to Sunday, Saturday uh, in, uh, in in Brooklyn. So just flip the dates there on, on those two events and. uh a lot of speculation why they did it. You know, there, there's I don't I don't know why. I don't. It's, it's irrelevant to me. Uh, but I I like the fact that if you want to see wrestling, you can go on Friday night and see NXT, and you can go on Saturday night and watch this uh, big Ring of Honor New Japan show if that's your cup of tea. The XFL announced on Wednesday the cities for their 2020 reboot. Listening to Oliver Luck, I watched the whole press conference on, online. Really a smart guy. Vince should be very proud of that hire. Oliver Luck has got a great resume, great background. He's a football guy. He's a businessman. Uh, he's an administrator. He's been successful on every level of everything he's done. He has surrounded himself with some very well-bred, uh, uh, well-trained, well-experienced uh, football people. And the towns, uh, the cities, towns. And when you hear somebody say the towns, you know they're no territory guy. The cities that the XFL will be playing in this year, or in 2020, uh, include Dallas and Houston, Los Angeles, New York, St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Washington, D.C. The only surprise omission there for me was Chicago. Because, you know, if you get the number one market, the number two market, the number three market, in size in North, in North America, uh, you're doing pretty good. And not they're not doing good. Those are all good football towns. And I love the building deals, the venue deals. So by what I heard and saw on Wednesday morning of the XFL press conference, I'm very impressed with uh, the synergy that's being created there within that particular entity. Good stuff. Looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of people are complaining. Uh, I get it on, on Twitter, at JRSBBQ, folks, if you want to follow me. I appreciate it, at JRSBBQ. The, uh, the last two or three weeks, the feedback I get on Money Not Raw has not been overwhelmingly positive. The shows, in the eyes of many viewers, has been less than. And let me try to explain how, what I think is going on here. Uh, to enjoy any fictional entity, you have to have an emotional investment in the characters and have to, have to know who the characters are, 
what their roles are, and why I should either like or dislike them. Well, in the last few weeks, uh, we have seen, and get this, Bobby Lashley, Elias, Dolph Ziggler, Strowman, Nia Jack, Carmella, Charlotte, Daniel Bryan, The Big Show, and Dean Ambrose change their persona. I'm a baby face, now I'm a heel. I'm a baby face, now I'm a heel. It's confusing. So if you're a casual viewer, which every entity needs, you expect to get the diehards. My, my concern is that sometimes you, that you look at that diehard list and it's starting to shrink a little bit. And so if you're a casual fan and you can't turn your back on them or disregard them, that'd be crazy. And you only watch once or twice a month. There's a good chance you're completely lost. Now, wait a minute. Is he a good guy or a bad guy? It, mat- it matters to people. And those that say it doesn't matter if you're baby-faced or heel, just get over. Uh, sounds really good on a car trip over a cocktail. It just doesn't work that way. So I think all these turns are starting to have a negative effect on the viewer. It lessens the emotional attachment to all those talents I mentioned. And there's a lot of damn good talent I just mentioned. Are they fish or are they foul? That's always the question. I want to congratulate uh, NXT's Alistair Black. Really talented dude, by the way. And uh, SmackDown lies uh, Selena Vega uh, on their recent marriage. They got married. Best wishes to the, to the newlyweds. You know, they'll be challenged as a wrestling couple. I used to tell people on our roster, I probably shouldn't if I wasn't politically correct. But wrestling relationships don't always work. And some of them do. Thank God. Some of them do. Most of them don't. But uh, hopefully these, these kids are, are living in a different era, different time, uh, and that they, if they love each other, uh, the bookings are not going to matter. If they allow the booking, their booking, or how their characters get, how many minutes on TV, or uh, how many times we get to see each other this month, if that becomes the whole story, uh, not good. It's got to be based on love and commitment, and we wish them the best. There's a Sports Illustrated article now uh, that Justin Barrasso did. Uh, it came out on uh, Wednesday, si.com, uh, and Justin's on Twitter, at Justin Barrasso. Uh, I, I, I tweeted it out, so my timeline on Twitter, uh, you can find it. It talks about Jerry Lawler, my uh, show on, on this Saturday afternoon in Cleveland. And on that, he asked me a question about uh, who, what would I book as the main event in uh, WrestleMania. I think he asked Jerry the same thing. And I told him my main event right now as it stands would be the individuals that, quote-unquote, are the most over and the fans care the most about. That would be Charlotte versus Becky versus Ronda Rousey. That's a three-way. Close the show at WrestleMania 35. Now, for some of my old friends that are older than me and in my age group, uh, some of the boys, oh, down those broads, they got all the spots, uh, those boys ain't going to work and uh, it's killing the business. Okay, easy, pal. Easy, Tiger. Uh, don't, don't, I ain't going for that. The deal is they are over and only if managed correctly and they execute, they must contribute and execute. Then there's no reason based on what I see and feel that those three ladies could not 
adequately and powerfully close a WrestleMania. And I would say that would be my, my main event for this April. Got a little uh, stretch of my publicity uh, from the uh, Kansas City Star this past week. Casey Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey uh, had a did a Stone Cold Stunner as a, as a part of his touchdown celebration, and uh, he stunned some of his teammates. And I got some uh, social media love with a a voiceover. My voiceover added to that because God knows there's plenty of Jr. yelling Stunner Stunner Stunner. Because there was a lot of stunners, and I didn't blow any of them off. No throwaways in my vocabulary. It's kind of a cool thing. A lot of these calls are making uh, the rounds in the NFL. Always, kind of always a humbling in some degrees. Uh, did you see Tyson Fury uh, do his Undertaker setup, the rise thing, after getting uh, knocked down the final round of his fight, which is a draw, by the way, uh, with uh, Wilder. That's last Saturday in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. Very Undertaker-esque. Nice fight, too. You, they, if boxers, boxing promoters are smart, if they're able to afford to put these fights or fights of a comparable uh, uh, significance and competitiveness and sizzle on free TV, underscore free TV, they have a good chance of rebuilding the brand of boxing. And the more audience you can get tuned in to watch the free television and get back in tune to being a boxing fan again, guess what? The more inclined you are to buy their pay-per-views or they can make some real money. Or as my daddy would say, some serious money. It was serious in Green Bay last week when they fired head coach Mike McCarthy. Mid-season. Well, it wasn't really mid-season, but it sounds better, I guess. That was the headline. The season was not over when McCarthy got to his walking papers, as General Skandar Akbar used to say. You know, they, they lost at home to the Cardinals. And all due respect to my friends in Arizona, the Cardinals are not very good. But they beat the Packers in Green Bay. And, of course, you got all the rumors McCarthy's having issues with the NFL's highest-paid player, their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I kept seeing this highest-paid player thing so much. It's like, really, folks? Really? Two guys they had a great relationship. They don't anymore. You think it's just all about the money? I think it's about personality and philosophy. McCarthy won a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Had only two losing seasons in 12 years. Uh, Packers have been in the playoffs nine of the last 11 full seasons. Four NFC championships. And plus, he did something very delicate. He oversaw the Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers quarterback transfer. And that could have been a major cluster, but it wasn't. So Mike McCarthy out of work, but he'll be cool. I think he'll be in Cleveland uh, sooner than later, much sooner than later. They, uh, the general manager uh, who I probably will meet this weekend, John Dorsey, is a, uh, he's a McCarthy uh, guy and vice versa. Speaking of Cleveland, I'm going to be all over Cleveland this weekend. But I do, I do want to tell you that uh, uh, our show on Saturday afternoon, Hilarities uh, in Cleveland, the Comedy Club, we got tickets still available. They'll be available at the door on Saturday as well. If you want to buy them in advance, they're at hilarities.com. Uh, we have a few VIP tickets uh, still out, not many. We don't do a whole lot of them. Uh, we've got a few of those left, 85 bucks for the meet and greet. Sign your swag, 
take your pictures, all these things we do, uh, and spend time with you on private before the show starts. That's at two o'clock on this Saturday. And then our show starts at uh, four o'clock and those tickets are $35. Hilarities.com are at the box office in Cleveland. And by the way, this just in that, uh, we're going to be recording our show on Saturday for a future podcast here on the mighty Westwood one. And, uh, so you, your question and your, your voice could be heard globally because we do a Q and a, right? So we're going to record them. It should be a hell of a podcast sometime around Christmas time. So keep that in mind when you can join us on, uh, on Saturday afternoon, I mentioned media, uh, uh, Cleveland sports radio, 92.3 FM, the fan and the great Ken Carmen show. I'll be on there Saturday morning at, uh, excuse me, on Friday morning at nine o'clock Eastern this Friday, December 7th. And, uh, follow Ken Carmen show on Twitter at Ken Carmen show. That's big time for me. He's uh, they got, a, they get monster ratings on the, on the mornings. Then at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon, I'm going to be appearing live from the Cleveland Browns training facility on the ESPN Radio Cleveland. Browns daily radio show with host Vince Condi and Nathan Zagura. By the way, Nathan is a friend of the Miz. Don't hold that against the guy. I'm kidding. And he's also going to be our MC on uh, Saturday afternoon. So uh, we know that Nathan's going to do a great job, and we're looking forward to uh, hooking up with him on this Friday afternoon at the, at the Cleveland Rounds training facility. I might even run to my old buddy Becker Mayfield while I'm there. Never know. Uh, so I want to thank uh, Cleveland.com's Troy Smith for the advanced uh, interview this week. That was also posted on Wednesday. Go online and find that at Cleveland.com on Twitter, at Cleveland, D-O-T-C-O-N-M uh, on Twitter. And Troy's at, at uh, Troy L. Smith. Appreciate it. Good interview. Troy's a good, good fan and a good, good interviewer. Uh, on Friday night, I'll be on the Cleveland NBC News, WKYC Channel 3, uh, uh, the, the uh, Donovan Live Show. That should be fun. TV time. Take it where you get it, right? As my dad and grandpa would say, don't turn them down by the cover, son. So uh, a big weekend for us in Cleveland. Hope you'll join us if you can. Uh, at hilarities.com tickets at the venue on Saturday if you don't get them in advance and we look forward to it I'm dressing warmly I'm taking my warm socks I might even bring my long handles I can't find those long handles have those little those trap doors in the back like you see on cartoons I actually had some of those when I was a little kid I think they were red or something something hideous that my grandparents thought was cute that's what you want to be you want to be humiliated you little fat ass walk around the house in your pajamas with a trap door in the back. Not a good visual. Sorry I brought it up. I'm not sorry I went to the great city of Arlington, Texas on uh, this past Saturday. It's on the sideline of the OU-Texas uh, game for the Big 12 championship. Uh, very emotional game. Very chippy. Both teams played hard. No doubt it was a slobber knocker from start to finish. OU wins 39-27. Their fourth straight Big 12 title. Sideline was electrifying. It was amazing. Uh, Kyler Murray, who I think should be the Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, I'm biased. I get it. I'm sure Conrad would say, Conrad Thompson, of course, 
He's just he's so big now, and I'm not, that's not a pun. Conrad is so big, it's just one name's enough. It's Conrad, is it? He's like Liberace. He's like Cher. Conrad is the wrestling version of Cher, a famous person with one name. If Mayfield does, or excuse me, if uh, well, Mayfield won the Heisman last year. If his successor doesn't win it this year, I'm going to be shocked because he broke all the records for total offense, almost 5,000 yards through 13 games. Baker had the record, almost 5,000, just, just a little bit less than uh, Kyler Murray. So the guys that he leads all quarterbacks in total offense, passing efficiency, yards per attempt, and yards per completion. Uh, so, and as soon as past Georgia, I'm sorry for Tony Schiavone, who was there at the game. He produces the Georgia Bulldog football uh, on radio. The radio network does a great job. Uh, so I felt sad that Georgia got leapfrogged, but, you know, you can't lose two league games and not win your champ conference championship and expect great things to happen, even though they can take their anger out on Texas, uh, I think in the Sugar Bowl, which I think is very apropos, and I'm pulling for the Bulldogs. So uh, we're going to face, yes, number one Alabama. I've heard all the jokes. I got videos from Conrad and his drunk buddies from uh, the Georgia Dome, or, uh, or whatever it's called nowadays, from the SEC title game. They were having a great time. Somebody may have been overserved, just saying. But that'll be fun. Alabama, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's heading to Series 3-1-1. One, one. But, boy, this is going to be a tough one. It will be a fist fight, no doubt about it. Uh and of course, the other bowl games were excited. Cotton Bowl semifinal, number two Clemson against number three Notre Dame. We'll let's see if Notre Dame is smoking mirrors or they're real. We're gonna find out. I'm not knocking the guys. Even some will take some Catholic people will take take a little exception that I'm knocking their football team. I'm not knocking them. But they, they didn't play a lot of great teams. Their schedule was a little weak, in my opinion. Uh. Urban Myers going to coach his last game, allegedly, in the Rose Bowl when they take on uh, Washington, they meaning Ohio State. When you get a chance to go make millions of dollars, you get over those damn headaches. Come on, Urban. And if, he, if he's not getting treatment and he needs it, he's not getting surgery and he needs it, then shame on you, Urban. Don't be so selfish. Get yourself healthy. Take care of that family, the more than just your big paychecks. Sugar Bowl's got, uh, as we mentioned, Texas versus Georgia. I think Georgia will beat the hell out of the Texas Longhorns. I believe that. I think it would bring a tear to a glass eye, as Jim Cornette would say. And the Fiesta Bowl's got LSU playing uh, UCF. Let me tell you something, man. You want motivation, you're going to see it. When Heifel's Josh Heifel, former OU quarterback's uh, UCF team. It's also got John Cooper there coaching the offensive line, another former center. There's a lot of good things in the football world. I love football this time of the year. You know, uh, being on the sideline of the OU-Texas game meant so much to me because of my heritage. I am a devoutee of uh, Sooner football, and uh, I know that we started playing football in Oklahoma before statehood. There's a lot of things about my family that I continue to look for to learn, and I'm very motivated at this point in my life to learn more about my heritage. So with that said... Now through Christmas, December 25th, 23andMe DNA kits are on sale. We've talked about uh, my 
ancestry coming, being Cherokee Indian, Native Americans, and coming to Oklahoma on the Trail of Tears, walking from the Carolinas to Oklahoma. Most, most that started the journey did not make it. I, my, I was lucky that my, my ancestors did make it to Oklahoma and uh, started ranching and farming and raising families and so forth, businesses and so forth. I want to know more about that because I'm the last of my, I'm the last. My mom and dad are gone. Grandparents gone. Didn't have any brothers or sisters. Just me. I want to be able to learn about who I am and where I came from. And the way I decided to do that is the smartest decision I made in this regard and ever. That's a, 23andMe, uh, their an, their ancestry uh, composition report gives you so much information on where you, who you are, where you came from, uh, and it helps you. It helps you get family. I want to share this information with my grandchildren and my daughters. They don't know either. So I want to know more about my heritage. I think we all should know at least where we came from. How do you navigate where you're going if you know where you came from? So uh, here's some suggestion to you. It's very affordable. Uh, you, it's, it's something I think it's a great conversation piece. I think here at the holidays, it's a great gift without question. So like I said, now through Christmas, December 25th, get 30% off any 23andMe kit. 30% off. Order your DNA kit at 23andMe.com slash JR. That's the number 23andMe dot com slash jr one last time that's 23andme.com slash jr your eyes will be open you get new knowledge about you and your family don't delay get her done oh uh, don't forget folks uh, i just got some i got some pictures this week i put them on, tw- on twitter retweeting them out uh of people shopping for uh, my products in the ingles ingles markets they're throughout the southeast, six states, over 200 stores. If you're buying Ingles, please go in, and I'd love for you to buy our product, yes. And thank you, because part of the proceeds go to uh, uh, Headlock on Hunger. My friend Bill Murdoch, who was Slobber Knocker of the Week last week, I believe. Uh, so uh, go by, take a picture, tweet it out, put it on Facebook. Help a brother out, will you? Baby needs new shoes here. Uh, and also www.shop.com. I guess people hit the Black Friday shopping that completely blew up our our, our web page. I looked on the damn web page today. There was one bag of jerky on it. <laughs> God Almighty, what an image! One sad little sack of jerky. But the orders have been reshipped, and we they're waiting on you know. There's a process. So if you're looking to buy something as a Christmas gift or a stocking stuffer from www.shop.com uh, in the JR's line, uh, we will be fully restocked in a matter of days. Okay, looking around the uh, wrestling horn. Oh, one other thing I was going to say. There was a thing this week, I was really proud of this, uh, Book Authority named uh, Slavernocker one of the 95 best biographies of all time. That came out on Wednesday. Uh, it's pretty damn cool. Uh, at Book Authority. Check it out on Twitter. And I, that's on my timeline. Uh, we were ahead of, uh, and I, look, I, I'm just, this is just silly and me to even say this probably. But we were ahead of, uh, I think, Collinsworth and Al Michaels. How that happened, who the hell knows? Uh, 
And I think we're ahead of Aikman and Joe Buck again. Don't ask me, folks. Quite frankly, we're not even wrestling's not even a sport. It's sports oriented. It's not a mainstream sport. And how how the King and Jr. got put on that list? Number eight. We're number eight of the of the uh, uh, all time uh, best uh, broadcast duos. Uh, and that was kind of cool. And on the book authority, my sovereign doctor was one of the 95 best auto, uh, biographies rather of all time. So good for us. Good for Paul O'Brien, the brains behind the outfit. Uh, it's really cool. And I think sovereign doctor make a great holiday gift for you. Uh, you can get on amazon.com or you know how that works. You can have it in a matter of minutes. Then maybe when you order it, they may be standing outside ready to give it to you. Who knows? And also, uh, Kenny McIntosh, uh, the growing impresario of wrestling, the Vince McMahon of Europe, Kenny McIntosh has signed copies of uh, Slobberknocker that you can get from his website, insidetheropes.co.uk. I signed them when I was there last. There's legit, no phony stuff. So uh, look at that if you can. And again, Amazon's your place to get those books. Good Christmas gifts. I got a real nice uh, email the other day from somebody, or a text or something. No, Twitter. Some of that social media stuff. A guy just discovered my book, and he got the audio version, and he loved it. So that's another idea for you. Good holiday ideas. Stocking stuffers, if you will. Around the old wrestling horn, folks, a uh, new member to our, uh, our, our uh, acknowledgments. Absolute Intense Wrestling, AIW, that's in Cleveland. Uh, it's an indie promotion in Cleveland. And guys like uh, EC3, Johnny Gargano, our alumni of that, of that company. And uh, they're helping us promote our show in Cleveland this Saturday. And uh want to remind you that they have a big show coming up on Friday, the 28th of December, big holiday show at Ohio Net Sports Complex in Parma, Ohio. Tickets are on sale now at uh, AIWrestling.com. And more, more on that event uh, next week here as well. MLW announced it this week that their Fusion Weekly being sports TV show, 8 o'clock Eastern time, will go live. Nothing go wrong going live. Nothing go wrong. For the first time ever, uh, my main man, Tony Schiavone, is uh, on the play-by-play call on Friday, December the 14th. Conan is going to make uh, uh, his in-ring debut for this company. What does old Carlos still have left in the tank? We will find out, and you may be pleasantly surprised. Because he'll be taking on low-key for the MLW uh, heavyweight title. In Carlos' hometown, by the way, of Miami. MLW will also be at the Miami Scottish Rite Temple two nights in a row, uh, Thursday, December 13th, and Friday, December 14th, taping television shows. Tickets and information available at MLW.com. Our man, Raphael Morphy, will be the showrunner for those shows. Does a good job with Courtney Bauer. And uh, they're building a brand. Nothing wrong with that, man. I'm proud of them. Build that brand. Don't look back. You know, we've mentioned that uh, Tony Schiavone's doing the play-by-play for this live broadcast, first ever for MLW uh, on their network. Tony's a unique guy, very perceptive. He doesn't endorse things that don't work for him. And lately on Twitter, he has been uh, endorsing in various forms one of our newest sponsors, 
Blue Chew. Now, here's the deal, folks. If you go to bluechew.com, you're going to see that Blue Chew is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the old bedroom to another level. Tony talks about it all the time. And check this out. This product, it's real simple here. It's one of those deals where, why didn't we think of that? Blue Chew has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. Viagra and Cialis made millions upon millions of dollars all those years because it worked. The same active ingredients are in Blue Chew. Now, since they're chewable, they're going to work faster than a pill, up to twice as fast, depending on your, your DNA. You can take them anytime, night or day. Even on a full stomach, you can take them. And the Blue Chew is cheaper than the other two that we just mentioned. So there's, it's a no-brainer. You save a lot of money. So basically, if you like your extracurricular life in your bedroom or wherever you choose, it's your prerogative, you're going to love BlueChew.com. Plus, and I like this because I know this product works. I've used it. You don't need to go to the doctor's office to get Blue Chew. You don't need to spend time waiting in a pharmacy line to get Blue Chew because Blue Chew ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. So here's the deal, folks. You guys think about this. It really is a no-brainer. I don't know why you wouldn't try this. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first ever order free. That's as good as I can make it. Go to BlueChew.com. You'll get your first order free when you use promo code JR. All you do is pay $5 shipping. That's it. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W. BlueChew.com. Promo code JR. It is on my radar that uh, part-time Sirius XM Busted Open team member Tommy Dreamer, Big Beefy, I used to call him, his House of Hardcore Promotion is going to host two of their live events this month. Saturday, December the 8th, that's this weekend, 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. Big show there, always a lot of surprises. And then next Saturday, December 15, they're going to host a charity show in Woodbridge High School in New Jersey. And I think Dave LaGreca, my pal, the, the Ramrod, uh, he's, the, he's a Troy Aikman. Of busted open radio. He's the QB. He's leading this team to championships. I heard Dave may be a special referee for one of the matches at the Woodbridge High School show on December the 15th. If you tune in to busted open radio, as I do virtually every single day, uh, on channel 93 on Sirius XM, uh, get the app, man, subscribe, get the app, all the great things on that, on that network. Good Lord. But if you're a wrestling fan, you get three hours of live radio five days a week. It's awesome. Busted open. Uh, nine to noon Eastern time, Monday through Friday. And Dave, if you need a striped shirt, I may have one of my old striped shirts in the, in my drawer, in my striped shirt drawer. I'll, uh, I'll help you out. Good dudes. And Tommy does a good job, too. I always like Tommy. Uh, speaking of old timers... <laughs> Sorry, Tommy. Hey, t- Bubba Dudley, Bully Ray, uh, is the one that is the best at getting the digs in at Tommy. I I don't quite have the mean spirit that Bubba does. He's really a heel. 
really a heel. And I saw where his uh, significant other, Velvet Sky, was complaining that he, Bubba may have eaten all the Oreos. How dare him? She has to understand, that young lady has the power. She can solve this conundrum very easily. Case closed. Thank you, Ernie. Uh, Carl Ouellette, former member of the Quebecers. Carl's about 50 years old. He just signed with the Ring of Honor. I had a match. I saw him work a match uh, down in Texas for Jerry Bostick's organization not that long ago. He can still wrestle. He's good hand. He's in good shape. Great attitude. And, uh, boy, he, he, he wants it. He still has that fire, and I admire that. So uh, good luck to Carl. C P C O is his wrestling name. P C O. Uh, my fellow Okie Jack Swagger, Jake Hager. Uh, he's going to be making his Bellator MMA fight debut at the LA Forum on Saturday, January twenty sixth, at Bellator two fourteen. Here's what I think. I think the very entrepreneurial, uh, great promoter Scott Coker should fly me to Los Angeles. And let me be in the corner or near the setting at ringside of uh, our man, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, two time All American wrestler at OU. I don't know, how, you know, the key to all these wrestlers is one thing. How, how is your striking defense? If your striking defense can hold up, you got a good shot because you know you can take people down. He's got great leverage, the 6'5. He's going to have, he's going to have no hard time making weight. I wish him the best. He's a good kid. Good kid. Grew up in Perry, Oklahoma, where I told him one time a long time ago, you'll always be the second toughest guy from Perry. Because Danny Hodge has got the lock on number one. I saw where Pac, uh, a.k.a. Neville, uh, resurfaced in Tokyo recently, capturing the Dragon Gate Championship. I'm kind of excited about this. He's scheduled to face for the first time ever Will Ospreay for a Revolution Pro in London. Uh, this February, that will be one worth seeing. And uh, finally, uh, WWE uh, has a what I think is really a beautifully booked pay per view coming up on uh, in in San Jose on uh, a week from Sunday, Sunday, December sixteen. A really cool card, loaded, and uh, we'll see how it all how it all evolves and how it all develops. But boy, there's some. There's some matches in there that could be really phenomenal. Can you, speaking of phenomenal, AJ Styles challenging Daniel Bryan for the uh, WWE title. They will leave no stone unturned. That could be the match of the year. Then you got Becky Lynch defending the SmackDown women's title in a triple threat TLC match against Asuka and uh, Charlotte. So the, I don't know if it'll be in the league of the TLC that I remember so fondly, Involving the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge and Christian. But that's what you shoot for. And I hope that those ladies will take their time to tell a great story before they add all the histrionics and the uh, flying, with Linda, flying with Linda stunts uh, to their equation. But if I were them, I would certainly go back and, if nothing else, review uh, TLC one and two. I'm not saying em you emulate it, but you know what can be done, what shouldn't be done, what worked and what didn't work. Just a suggestion. That's all. Just saying. <laughs> oh my boy. 
Uh, Ronda Rousey and Nia Jack, the Raw Women's Championship match. I predict that match will end by submission. I'm really going down a limb there, aren't I? So, good card at San Jose. If you're not there, you should get your tickets. You can watch on the WWE Network, but there's nothing like being at an event live. So, a lot of things going on, but for right now, kids, huge show. Ian Riccoboni coming up, Dave Meltzer coming up, birthdays this week in the territories and more. But that's it right now for What's On My Mind. Again, folks, I really appreciate you joining us here this week and every week and for subscribing to our program on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or however you listen to your Slobberknocker audio. Uh, And those five-star ratings are much, much appreciated. Uh, Still to come, my conversation with the voice of Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni. Also, Slobberknocker of the Week, among other things. And just who in the hell is Pet Coon Goofy this week? A lot of candidates. But right now, let's, I'll take you back to part two of my conversation with Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer. Uh, he's the guru who's been doing this longer than anybody else that I'm aware of. Uh, and uh, he's he's got his ear to the ground. He knows he's a, got a great background in wrestling. He runs a hell of a website, uh, great newsletter, all those things. He's, he's, he's really earned his chops, I, I believe. And he's added MMA to his uh, scenario as well. And on, on this com- part of the conversation, I talked to Dave about uh, the evolution of his star ratings. Some get five stars, six stars, seven stars. Uh, and so we talk about that. Uh, I want to check in. I checked in with Dave on the uh, Kazusko Kata Kenny Omega rivalry and uh, the role that Ghetto had in Okada's emergence, which was huge. Uh, we're talking about Wrestle Kingdom booking, uh, Tanahashi's run in 2018, and why both, I think both those agree that one of the reasons that the advanced sales of tickets for Wrestle Kingdom is at a higher level than last year at this time, or so I'm told, is because uh, Tanahashi's got hot again. Hiroshi Tanahashi's got uh, hot again, and people love him. They love the comeback story of the 40-year-old guy proving to the younger guys that he can still go out and get his job done. I think that. Uh, so we're going to talk about that, a little bit about Access TV. And also, uh, and Ian will probably cover this as well, but just why Madison Square Garden is such a special wrestling venue. And you might be surprised at what you hear on that one. So without further ado, let's go to the, uh, to the man himself, Dave Meltzer, part two. Did you think that when you came up with your star system, because it seems like in the last year or so, because of the veracity and the defiance that we often experience <laughs> on social media, did you think that that star system would evolve to where it's almost got a, it almost needs a t-shirt of its own. Gee, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, I mean, the, the funny part is, is, like, number one, as you, you and I both know, I mean, it's, it's all just opinion. You know? and, and again, when the match is over, it's my opinion, and, 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 and that's what it is. It's not the word of God or anything like that. It's just an opinion. And it's, it's meant as a guide for people who may not have seen the match and go like, do I need to watch this match? Maybe yes, maybe no. Do I need to watch this match? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, 
The other thing, too, is, is like, well, I go to PWG, and we got this whole group of people. But it's like a few, a few people. And after every match, I mean, this is like our ritual. And we, we, give, we give our number, you know, after every match. <laughs> and we're never the, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes we are the same, and sometimes we're not. But the point is, is like, if we're within a half star of each other, we go, we, when it's done, it's like, okay, we all agree. You know, it's like four, four and a half, whatever. Okay, we agree. This match is great. Two, two and a half, this match is okay. But, you know, but people will go like, oh, you know, like, you, you know, a quarter of a star. It's like, do you realize that we agree? <laughs> you know, I mean, if, like, we're, if, we're, if you're that close, it's like a movie. You know, it's like, I, I don't know if movie critics get it this bad. I, uh, wrestling fans may be, you know, whatever. But, you know, if you look at, at, at ten movie critics um, for any movie and that do stars, and, and they're not all going to be the same, and none of them are the, the word of God. It's just the opinion no. of the one person. And I never look at movie critics, and if I love a movie, and, and he said it was average, I never go, he's an idiot. I go, okay, that was his belief on the movie, he's, and he's entitled to it, and, but I still like the movie. And, and, and vice versa, if I see something four stars in, 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 a, in a movie critic, and I go to the movie and I find it boring, I do, now I will go and go like, I wonder what he saw in it, and sometimes it makes me appreciate it because I had to think that way, but at the end of the day... I may st- it, it wasn't it wasn't the movie for me, which doesn't even mean that it's that I think it's a bad movie. It just wasn't the movie for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I get this question sometimes at my Q and A's, and by the way, that Jerry Lawler and I are going to be in the Cleveland Saturday afternoon for a show at Hilarities, uh, and people say, uh, "Do you, did you think you'd live long enough to see a trilogy of matches as good as, or even comparable to?" Okada and Omega, and I, I they're young, they're young, you know, kind of a young, you know, but they're they're big New, New Japan loyalists. That's cool. I said, well, you know, you may not have been born, but and I had three of those in 1989. I thought were pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, Flair yeah, every Flair year, every year has got its classics. Oh, and I saw, and, and I saw where you you ranked uh, uh, one of those matches six stars. Flair I mean, and seven, which was the 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 the, uh, the one that went 69 minutes. I do think that's the best match I've ever seen. Um, um, but, you know, that's my opinion. But, um, yeah, that match, you know, again, watching it, and, you know, I watched it with a group of friends, and we were pretty much in awe, and you called match. The match is phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought, you know, those two guys, I mean, there, there, are, there are two guys at the top of their game who mesh perfectly, and also, because of that first match that they had at the Tokyo Dome being so good, the reality is is that they felt very pressured in matches two, three, and four because it's the first time where if you go in there and you have a really good match, people are going to go, ah, it wasn't as good as the first one. So they had to, in each match, try to top the previous match. And physically, it was it's pretty much impossible to top it by doing death-defying moves. And, I mean, they did they did one or two things in every match where I was kind of scared. But it wasn't like they did a whole match of those things, you know. Mm. And it was more of a mental match than a physical match, although physically those guys are great. Um, but, you know, you could see that they were trying to tell a story. And what, what I liked in match four, which was the last one they had, was there's little bits of the story that if you watched, it's, it's almost like watching a movie sequel. But if you watch the first three movies, you know, you're going to get stuff that maybe somebody who is just watching the first, the, the, the one match, isn't going to get. And, and it really was... Each, each match was a progression of the story from the previous match. And so I do think it's one of the, 
I mean, I think it's one of the legendary rivals. It's, it's, it's up there with those legendary rivalries that each era has. Flair and Steamboat had it. You know, you remember Jack Briscoe and Dory Funk Jr. When we were yeah. kids, it was like nothing could top that, you know. No. They were like the two, the two masters of doing the 60-minute match. And, um, you know, and, and again, saying that these guys are, are, are great is, is not a knock on guys from previous generations that were the top guys in those generations. But, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, I mean... They're very, very, you know, these guys work very, very hard to, to um, and think a lot on, like, you know, how do I, yeah. how, how do we they, improve from they that have last a plan. match? And, they show up with, they th- the day they show up with going? a plan. They show up with a plan, and they're unselfish. Yeah. And they're both excellent, athletically uh, uh, accomplished dudes. I'm talking about Okada and Omega. And uh, they understand crowd psychology very, very well. Uh, speaking of those guys, uh, Russell Kingdom coming up in January. I hear the advance is good. If that is true, could you attribute uh, part of that to uh, Tanahashi going for the goal one more time to get back at the top of the mountain? Does that have any any validity? I think, I think so. I think so. You know, it was funny because I, I, I really, you know, the, the, you know, when we talk about like bookers and everything with Ghetto, who's the booker over there, the one thing about Ghetto booking that I've learned in time is that sometimes during the journey you'll go like why is he doing this but but at the end when you look back you go man it it worked because you know so many people thought that Naito should have beaten Okada at the Tokyo Dome and and you could have done it and I and I thought you know I thought that that was the move and and perhaps you know again Naito was you know it was a tough to call because Naito was really really hot selling all the merchandise and everything like that but Ghetto had this story, which was that he wanted Okada to have this legendary title run so at the age of 30 that he will be in people's minds like Antonio Inoki was, and nobody has been since, as this legend, you know, um, um, the, su- the super legend guy, and they really haven't had that since the Bob and Inoki days. He wanted to establish this two-year record-setting championship run, and you would have the match where he pretty much, you know, sets his record going against Tanahashi, who held the old record, which was really brilliant booking and an, an incredible match between those two because you had that, the, 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 the old guy. So then Okada wins, and it's like, well, you know, Tanahashi, you know, got beat in the, in the Jake in the, um, Jake, the Jake Cup Tournament, New Japan Cup Tournament, and lost to Okada, and it's kind of like, okay, he's kind of being on the back burner for now, and it's Okada and Kenny Omega, and it's a new generation, and everyone has to step aside. And then he does this G1, <laughs> where it's the total Tanahashi show. I mean, as far as, like, he goes through, has these incredible matches, incredible final, and wins. And the most amazing part of it was that on the opening night of G1, you know, one of the matches that you called, where... Um, and, and, and Tanahashi won, and the people were so with it, like... It's like it's almost like wow, I um, I know he's not going to win, but wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if like they let Tanahashi in the finals? Because people kind of are with him right now, I guess, off of his losses. And little did I know that he'd already booked this whole thing for Tanahashi not to go to the finals, but to win and main event the Tokyo Dome. And somehow during that tournament, where he kept winning and winning and winning and had these incredible matches, and everyone did, and then one he came out of it with. You know, great momentum for the Tokyo Dome. And then, you know, he still had to beat Okada or because Okada had beaten him. 
and he hadn't beaten Okada in years, so we had that story. So, I mean, they, they do a great job with making these wins and losses so important yeah. that you don't really need more. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and um, yeah, they're, they're uh, you know, I think they're going to do very well at the Tokyo Dome this year. I don't know if they'll, you know, we'll see if they beat last year, because last year the, the Jericho and, um, and uh, um, Kenny Omega match was, was a real big, unique match, first time yeah. Jericho in the company. Um, but, but the lineup, I mean, the lineup this year is a phenomenal lineup, up, up and down the show. Yeah, yeah I wish and, I could um, call that one. You know, so and it's and it's on a Friday night, which all you know in Japan, which is better than a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, as Heck far yeah. as like I think selling tickets as well. I was very hopeful to be a part of that uh, broadcast presentation. It was not to be, uh, at least for this year. Uh, but it's a it's a phenomenal card, and uh, I know that they're going to do same night coverage uh, of it on Access TV, which is great. And uh, Don Callis and Kevin Kelly will be on the call, and then going forward. I think Access is going to use the, uh, as I understand it, I might be wrong, the uh, uh, New Japan World commentary uh, dual-purposed back on Access TV on Friday nights, at least for now. That's how I understand it. So uh, uh, that's, that's, it's, a, it's an announcer's dream to call a card like that because there is a well-defined story and not a clear-cut winner in any of the matches. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could viably argue um, – who should win in most of the matches on the show, depending, you know, Jericho-Naito depends on, on certain circumstances, and I, I do expect Naito to win that one. But as far as the key one, which is Tanahashi and Omega, um, I mean, you know, again, if, if it was me, I would have Tanahashi win and set up a rematch for Madison Square Garden. But there's a lot of political things involved, and I don't know, you know, you can make the argument that, that hey, you know, if Omega beats Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome, that establishes Omega as being larger than life and even harder to beat. And maybe that's the story Ghetto wants to, to point out. You know, I mean, it's, you know, there's, and, and, and again, what, what, the other thing that's so interesting about that is, is you've got two guys who legitimately have very different philosophies on what a great wrestling match is. Right. But both are, are two of the best big match wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. So they're going to have to mesh their mentalities, but, you know, in that on that night in that setting, I expect something really special. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, again, I wish I would have been able to uh, able to call at least part of it. You know, participate. Maybe maybe another time. Uh, but I I'm also curious to see what's going to be booked in the Garden uh, on that uh, Saturday in April. Yeah, and, and because it's not a matter. Of, okay, they sold out. That's great, and it is great. That's not a surprise. I wasn't surprised they sold out. I'm sure you weren't surprised they sold out. It was novel. If you have a wrestling product and you're not promoting it during WrestleMania week, you're a fool. <laughs> yeah. In the store, you don't get it. And so them having a, to run, I don't think they'll even make any money running the garden, quite frankly. They may. It's not cheap. you got union costs. If you're going to do, a, if it's going to be a pay-per-view or any kind of television production, uh, good luck with that deal because understand you're probably not going to make any money on the gate to cover all your expenses, your talent, and certainly the television production. The union costs are, I remember selling out, uh, us selling out back in the Attitude Era to do TV in the garden, selling out every available seat, Dave, and losing money. Wow. It's because the, 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 the bill for the union uh, costs of set up and lights and 
you know, you can't touch a cable, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's a, it's a, it's a huge money grab. So uh, we, start, know, we stopped having. We're involved in it, and as I tell people all the time, people are always asking, you know, why don't they do raw from Madison Square Garden? And, and there's your reason. He just told you the reason why. Yeah, because there's no money there, you, and you, you they got a there, better and, financial. And if you did a raw in Madison Square Garden, if WWE did a raw in Madison Square Garden next month, I promise you, it would sell out, and everyone knows it would sell out. And there's no one afraid of not selling tickets. But you could go and sell out and lose money on the show. It's better to run the Barclays Center. It just is. Right. Yeah, it is for, for those. For those, uh, that's very sound reasons too. And I don't think, I don't think you know Vince is certainly. The Garden is a special place for Vince because his dad, his grandpa, and all that family heritage. I really get that, and it's really special to him. Uh, I remember one time uh, asking him. We had a house show there. I booked the card, and uh, I said uh, I got I went over the card with Lanza. I think with Jack Lanza and somebody else. And I said, uh, he, he said, uh, I said, no, I asked him. I said. Should I go to the garden? And of course, he looks at me this no no bullshit look. Well, why why wouldn't you want to go to the garden? Oh, I do. I you know <laughs> I, I'll be there. Hey, honey, I won't be home for supper tonight. I'm going to the garden with Vince. Uh, but so that's just I found out early on in my little run there in administration that the garden was nothing. No venue in the world was more important than the garden in the eyes of Vince McMahon, and I yeah, still believe uh, that to be true. So uh, hey, uh, somebody else going in and selling it out is is something. It is a major. It is a major thing. I mean, I, again, I wasn't surprised like you weren't that they sold out, but it's still a major. It's a major thing. It's the you know, and I think a what a lot of people don't realize is to the Japanese, to those wrestlers, the Tanahashi's and Okadas. I mean, this is this is huge. It's one going to be one of the highlights of their careers. Tanahashi told me himself that you know his dream was to wrestle in Madison Square Garden, and people were just like. At the time, was like, oh, you know, does it mean he's going to go to WWF? And I go, I don't. He's not going to go. But, but you know, I think that like their idea and that you know of, of you know is that. But um, so yeah, I, I think it's also very important the, because of the aura of Madison Square Garden and and it is is they got to go in there. You know, it, it's got to be like they're they're uh, you know equal to a Wrestle Kingdom show or very close to it. They they can't go right. in there with like a B show. Um, and I hope they all realize that that. They've got to have, you know, whether it's Omega Tanahashi, whether it's Omega Okada, um, Tanahashi Okada, whatever. I think one of those three needs to be the main event. I agree. Hey, Dave, thanks uh, a lot for being with me. I always enjoy talking to you. It's like talking to an old friend on a car trip. So uh, I'd like to have you back here anytime. And if I can be on your show anytime, just let me know. Okay, thanks very much. Loved it. You bet, you bet buddy. certainly appreciate Dave Meltzer spending time with us on the program the last couple of weeks. Uh, you get good answers from a very knowledgeable guy. Follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Meltzer, W-O-N, which obviously means, signifies Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Wrestling Observer Newsletter is, uh, I read it every week, have for probably 30 years, and uh, the audio that uh, Dave does with Brian Alvarez is really good. They do a lot of shows every week. So check out their website, wrestlingobserver.com. Good stuff. And thanks, Dave, for his time. Right now, the Slobber Knock of the Week. This was uh, almost a layup this week, but uh, there were some good candidates before I made my decision. Uh, one thing I thought was kind of neat was the uh, Hershey Bears. They're in the AHL hockey team. They're a minor league hockey team. They did their teddy bear toss. 
and the club asked fans to bring stuffed animals to the rink as donations for over 30 charities in the surrounding area. Now, the twist was the fans throw all the toys on the ice after the home team scores their first goal of the evening. Well, get this. This is great. So heartwarming. There are a lot of people that still care. They still give a damn. This year set a new record with more than 34,000 stuffed toy donations for the Hershey Bears. Bravo to all you Hershey Bear fans and the folks that attended that event. You are doing the right thing. Proud of all of you. Uh, get this, uh, another Slavic Rock of the Week candidate, the world's highest paid YouTube star, seven-year-old mini mogul Ryan of Ryan's Toys Review has generated 26 billion views and has earned $22 million last year thanks to his signature line of stuffed animals, collectibles, and apparel that's now selling at Walmart. Damn, man, I need to get this teddy bear business. Maybe JR's bears, a nice little cute little hat, little fat belly, crooked smile. Man, I could be onto something. Uh, the Slime Rock of the Week would have to include the three finalists also for the Heisman Trophy. That'll be awarded on Saturday night in New York City. Uh, Kyler Murray is my favorite. Of course, he's, oh, he's a Sooner. And yeah, I'm biased as hell. I'm just telling you. I'm full, full transparency. Shame on me for being loyal to my team. Uh, Alabama's uh, Tua Tangvaloa, great quarterback. He's also in the, in the hunt big time. He may win it. And uh, Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins, another quarterback, finished strong with a huge game against uh, Michigan. So now he's on his way to the Rose Bowl. So those are the three guys that got invited. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But no matter what, uh, I believe you'll find that uh, Tua and Kyler will be one and two in some shape, form, or fashion. And that's going to add a lot of backstory to the uh, Orange Bowl where Oklahoma plays Alabama. Because Connie will be there. My boy, he looks so cute in his little jockey strap. Uh, well, I know that. I don't know that. I just made it up, but I'm sure he does. Uh, Coach Sean McVay and the L.A. Rams became the first team in the NFL to clinch a playoff spot this season. Uh, they beat the the Detroit Lions 30-16. Uh, this is a team that's got some stars on it. They've, they've been drafting well. You recruit well, you sign well, you train them up, and that's what you get. Sean McVay's a hell of a coach. And speaking of hell of coaches, my, my man Lincoln Riley, I think he should be coach of the year in college football. You lose the Heisman Trophy winner and all those other guys that are going to play the NFL. Uh, he leads his team to the fourth straight Big 12 title. Did you know that Oklahoma's got more uh, Big 12 titles than all the other league combined? And, it, and it's pretty cool. So I'm so, somebody out there is an SEC devotee saying, yeah, but they don't play defense. Okay. So uh, – I found this kind of intriguing. Since 2000, every OU football student athlete has won a Big 12 Conference Championship. That's 18 years, kids. Program strong. And it's gotten stronger uh, with the evolution of the new head 35 year old coach, Lincoln Riley. But I got to say that the Sovereign Rock of the Week goes without fail to the 41st President of the United States, George H.W. Bush. As I said earlier, he sadly passed away on Friday night of last week at the age of 94. Hey, if the good Lord would give old JR 94 years right now, I'm in.
I'm just happy with what I get. Uh, but he had had, he's battling a vascular Parkinsonism. The president will be laid to rest uh, on Thursday at his presidential library on the campus of Texas A&M University in College Station. He was a big Texan through and through, an honorable man. And for that and so much more, uh, George H.W. Bush, the 41st president of the United States, is our slobber knocker of the week. No pet raccoons are overdosing here. Ken Bowler. Son of a bitch! Well, it's that time again, kids. Pet Coon Goofy Award. This has got some dandy candidates. Pet Coon Goofy Award. It may not be as big as Mark Henry's uh, Your Slip is Showing on Busted Open. But by God, I'm trying. As my grandpa told me one time, that's all a steer can do, son, is try. Uh, one nominee, Pittsburgh Steelers. The historic collapse on Sunday Night Football with a huge audience as they lost at home to the Los Angeles Chargers. Hard to say. Uh, it's the Steelers' first loss in franchise history when leading by 16 points at any point in the game. That there's on again, off again. It's just something that's not quite stirring the Kool-Aid. Something ain't quite sauce in the ribs there in Pittsburgh, and I don't know what it is. But they got to get more consistent and play smarter football. But losing a, a lead at home on Sunday night football is unacceptable. And if somebody said, well, they fired Mike Tomlin, just like they did Mike McCarthy, nobody would have been shocked. I'm not advocating that happen. But, you know, there's always a price to pay somewhere down the road if you're not getting your job done. Uh, I'm not even going to dignify these sites because I actually don't even remember right now off the top of my head, but there's someone passed along something to me that said that I had been contacting uh, on behalf of a new wrestling company, uh, WWE Talents, whose contracts were expiring or about to expire. That is total fabrication. It is a made-up story. There is absolutely no way that I would do such a thing. I, I gladly cash the checks that Vince McMahon pays me. I'm very honored and blessed to have this uh, income at this point in my life uh, and very grateful to go behind somebody's back and solicit talents to leave or come and work for me or work for them or work for that guy. The first thing is this new wrestling company, if it ever gets off the ground, is going to depend, be dependent on one thing, a viable, powerful television rights deal on a viable cable channel that is accessible by most and other platforms that will become available, digital, et cetera, et cetera. Television is the heartbeat to any wrestling company. You got strong TV, you got a shot. You don't have strong TV, but you got a great roster you're probably still not going to make it. So uh, I wish that people would get these things right. Most of these guys know how to get a hold of me, unfortunately. Call and ask, are you talking to talent? So I'm not. It's just it's irresponsible. They're looking for clicks and knee jerks and things of that nature. That's why they're not going to mention them. Again, I forgot who they were, uh, seriously. 
But if I remembered, I wasn't going to say anything today about them. You know, there's no TV deal, folks. Until there's a TV deal, if a company uh, spawns uh, anew in 2019 on a major league level, then so be it. But it's not going to happen unless there's a strong television rights fee deal in place. End of story. Uh, so that's a, that, that's a Petco and Goofy nominee, without a doubt. Uh, there's a happy ending to this Petco and Goofy nominee. The city of Severance, Colorado, had a 98-year-old band for, on throwing snowballs. <laughs> they, on the books for 98 years, almost a, de- almost a century. Thankfully, nine-year-old Dane Best successfully lobbied the town council to change, and as he said, an outdated law. He's right. Good old nine-year-old Dan, Dane Best, man. He got it. Uh, he challenged that earlier this week, and uh, the Severance Town Council unanimously approved measures to legalize snowball throwing in town limits of Severance, Colorado. I love it. Young Dane was also given by the mayor the first legal snowball toss. Pretty cool. Good job, Dane. Think about it, though. You have, hey, there's a rule in Oklahoma, I think there's some kind of law, that you can't take a bite of somebody else's hamburger. What the hell? But the winner of the Pet Coon Goofy Award this week, what the hell was the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs organization thinking and the local cops in Kansas City regarding Kareem Hunt, his assault on a woman last February, last February, in a Cleveland area hotel, TMZ, they're on the spot again. They got the video. But, man, this is, this is un, unacceptable. This guy needs anger management bad. I can tell you this. A lot of us are thinking, you come to my, you come to my town and he, and he, and he, he beat up my, my daughter or my, my relative, and then you kick her when she's down, which is a big coward move. You ain't going to make it out of town. I don't care who you are. So it's a sad state of affairs. Priorities are wrong. When, are, when is the whole world going to understand that beating women, a man putting his hands violently, aggressively, in a harmful way on a woman, unacceptable? And what is it about unacceptable that, that people don't understand? You, if you want to penalize a kid nowadays, you know how you do it? You, you uh, take his cell phone or her cell phone away, you, car keys, you know, something material, uh, social media, the iPad. That's about all it registers. These other dudes, like Kareem Hunt, the only thing that's going to register to them is reduce their money flow, their cash flow. Hit them where it hurts. Because they're obviously are, they're narcissists. They're just selfish, and it's all about them. So you limit their damn money, and all of a sudden they may have a little different view of things. That man, I'm in, I'm in trouble. I can't keep doing this. You, no, you can't. You should never do it. So the Pet Coon Goofy Award this week goes to a, con- a consortium of Kansas City people, including the Chiefs and the local cops, for the way that they have apparently, apparently ignored Kareem Hunt's anger management issues. 
I don't believe that when somebody beats a woman up and they're an NFL player, as we're speaking of here, you, they can't go seamlessly from one team to the other. They can't just well. I'll finish. I'll, I'll pick. I'll get picked up next year. If you make it a, if you, I believe that if you do something like this in the season of 2018, you don't play in 2019. You get plenty of time to get your crap together and understand right from wrong. And and this stuff is talking soft. And my mama raised me better than that. Then why didn't you listen to her? Why didn't you listen to her? First thing you might all do is Kareem is go apologize to your mama. So I'm uh, I'm not a, you can tell I, it's a hot spot with me, and I uh, I just it infuriates me, it pisses me off. When you got two daughters and you got two granddaughters, you start looking at things very uh, in a very pointed way. Not that I shouldn't think that way anyway, and I would. But when you got skin in the game, so to speak, it damn sure matters. So for the misgivings of Kareem Hunt, the local authorities and the chiefs for apparently disregarding, they knew what was going on. You think something like that's going to happen and don't get in the locker room and people start talking? Are you kidding me? It's like the old old cliche, telephone, telegraph, tell a wrestler. There are no secrets in the locker room that I've ever really believed in. So uh, that's where we are. I'm sad to say the Pet Coon Goofy Award goes to the Chiefs, the NFL, and the Kansas City Police Department. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. My God, I got a little hot there. I'm angry. I got pissed off. I need to... I need to exhale. As Tetsuya Naito says, tranquilo, tranquilo. I need to sleep. I can't take a nap right now, but I can tell you this. Sleep as I am learning every day of my life. And the sooner you learn this, the better off you will be. I swear to you. Sleep is important. Sleep is our friend. Unlike the famous uh, Vince McMahon mantra, that sleep is our enemy, I believe sleep is our friend. And the quality of your sleep affects, without a doubt, the quality of your daily life. So uh, I am excited because of the sponsor, uh, Purple Mattress, our sponsorship. We really tagged into some good stuff here, man. This is a way to make sure you don't have, you don't struggle with, with sleep. And you say, well, okay, okay, JR, I've heard all your pitches. How is a purple different from other mattresses? Well, first of all, the purple mattress will probably feel different than anything, anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam that you may be used to. The purple material feels very, very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. And here's what I also like about it, especially when you live in a part of the world where it's hot, as my Oklahoma Springs and summers can be. It's breathable. It's a breathable material, so it stays cool. You sleep cooler. 
And man, there ain't nothing worse than waking up sweating from your from your uh, from your nap or from your night's sleep. So here's the thing, folks. Purple mattress will give you a 100 night risk free trial. Now here's what that means. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. Now this mattress is backed by a 10 year warranty. You get free shipping and returns. That's big. And free in-home setup and old mattress removal. So uh, I think you're really going to love Purple. Right now, in addition to all the free gifts, great ones that they got, they're offering site-wide. Our listeners will receive a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. Just text JR to 47. 4747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text JR to 474747. That's JR to 474747. Thank me later and remember that message and data rates may apply. Because you are one lousy son of a. It's always fun to go back in time and take a look at this week in wrestling. And this week, uh, producer Ted's got us uh, fixed up with this week in the territories, which I kind of like that title. Be quite frank about it. But uh, with that said, uh, forty-five years ago, on this week in 1972, he spent a year at Vern Gagne's wrestling camp in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. The man uh, born Richard Morgan Flair. Made his in-ring debut for the AWA as Ric Flair. And he had a match, his first match with George Scrapiron Godowski. It ended in a 10-minute draw. When's the last time you heard of a 10-minute draw? Not doing draws eliminates a potential finish that you can use. But if your head is such where we can't be too wrestling, or that's too pro-wrestling because a draw it's a draw is silly ties draws those type things are in numerous other sports it's real it's a a very believable outcome that could occur so the nates broke in 45 years ago this week god bless him uh 43 years ago in 1975 in a house show house show no tv in miami florida Terry Funk defeated then-champion Jack Briscoe to earn the NWA World Heavyweight title. And that made uh, Terry and his brother, my brother Dory, are the first ever brothers to hold the NWA World title, Ross, you fat Oklahoma bastard. And boy, I tell you what, in 1975, that's the year after I got in business, and I started refereeing there in that, along that era, Terry Funk was a genius. A pure genius. 37 years ago, Mid-South Wrestling, in 1981 that would be, they were in their number one city in New Orleans, where the junkyard dog, who's going to beat that dog? Who's going to beat that dog? Defeated the great Kabuki. I'm sure Gary Hart was at ringside. To earn the Louisiana State Heavyweight title, thus beginning his unprecedented third title reign. Title reigns meant more when they happened less frequently they were kept special 
And now, if I had to take a quiz on all the champions and all the major, all the TV shows, I'd have a hard time passing it. I swear to God. And I'm just being honest. Too many changes. Like I talked earlier about uh, one of the one of the primary disconnects in my view. That's, that's easily fixed. Uh, too many changes. Heel to babyface. Too many turns, as they say. And you read that list. I think about that list I read off earlier. No wonder things are disconnected sometimes. But in any event, uh, JYD was the Louisiana champion uh, until he had to uh, vacate it when he won the North American title. 1981. Who's going to be dead dog? Uh, 30 years ago, the NWA Clash of Champions 4, I was around for that. Seasons meeting held in the UTC Arena in Chattanooga. Uh, another good card. Uh, uh, this is pretty cool. That a lot of interesting matches. Uh, the Fantastics defeated the team of Eddie Gilbert and Ron Simmons in the final match of the NWA U.S. Tag Team Title Tournament. Road Warrior Animal defeated Dusty Rhodes by disqualification. Uh, and the main event was uh, the team of Ric Flair and Barry Windham defeating the Midnight Express, which was a hell of a match. Hell of a match. Uh, and I remember on that show, in the last... Uh, the last match, as I mentioned, Flair and Barry against the Midnight and Jimmy Cornette. People are throwing marbles from the uh, upper level of the, the cheap seats, shall we say, at Cornette. And Bob and I were doing a, I think we we're doing a stand-up. Or we're getting ready to do a stand-up. Two things happened on that show. God, God bless Bob. One, he got hit in the head with a marble or a nickel or a quarter or something like that. And he said, we went to break. He said, you know, I, I was thinking I, got, I was having an aneurysm. <laughs> God, I said, don't Bob, don't say that. He got hit right in the temple with that uh, coin or marble or something. And then to top it all off, now we're getting ready to do a stand-up. And Bob had a somewhat pronounced comb-over, God bless him. Great seeing him in Winston-Salem at uh, WrestleCade. Love the man. Uh, and they threw an egg at Cornette. Well, the egg could have very easily hit me, but unfortunately it hit, it hit Bob right under the comb-over line. So the the uh, inertia of the egg breaking on Bob's head underneath his comb-over had his comb-over going straight up, where he kind of looked like a rooster. And so I'm looking at him, and... <laughs> And I couldn't help but laugh. I guess I should feel bad about that. It was funny. So he was okay until he felt the egg. Then he got pissed off, as anybody should and would. I remember that UTC arena. That was that was a pistol pass Watley's uh, school. But Bob Cole had a rough night. First, it was the marble or a nickel or quarter where it was in a temple, thinking he had an aneurysm, and then the the amazing ability of a egg to go under your comb over to make it stand straight up. Luckily we got the hair under control before he came on camera, but it was kind of funny. Uh, 20 years ago, well, this is a tough one to read because it was so emotional for me. Uh, 20 years ago, 1998, we were in, uh, London, London arena for Capital Carnage, a UK pay-per-view. And I suffered my second 
Bell's palsy attack while on the air. The first time I got it, I woke up with it on Super Bowl Sunday morning in 1994. Then four years later, I think I'm unclear, I have it on the other side of my face during uh, this live broadcast. And man, I had this like, migraine-level headaches, trying to talk with the headsets on. It was excruciating. And then I started getting depressed because depression comes with Bell's palsy. It's part of the game. It's unfortunate. So I'm thinking, well, my career's over. Here's a chubby guy with a southern accent. Now he's got second bout of facial paralysis. Hell, I'm, I'm as good as dead in the water. But in any event, I uh, we made it through. The King and I uh, pulled it through. He did such a great job of uh, taking up the slack, as he always did. And uh, I remember the uh, the four-way was very entertaining. Austin uh, won. He defeated uh, Kane, Mankind, and The Undertaker, big-time stars, big-time main event. And Jerry Briscoe was the special guest referee. All great talents, all great performers. So uh, a very emotional night. Very emotional night, to say the least. And, uh, of course, that was the day, I think it was the day after or the day of my mother's death, which some neurologists foresee that it turned my, uh, that tripped the trigger on that deal. Gosh, tough. That was a tough one to remember. I lost my mom, and I thought I lost my career. But you persevere, folks, right? You get knocked down. What do you, you got the option of laying on your ass and feeling sorry for yourself, curling up in a little ball, fetal position, wet in your pants. Or you get your ass up and dust yourself off and say, okay, I'm back up. Let's go. And then uh, 17 years ago, in producer Ted's uh, hometown, at least for now, San Diego, California, we had Vengeance there, 2001. Probably the biggest night in Jericho's career because in one main event match, he beat The Rock to earn the world title. In another match that night, he defeated Stone Cold to earn the first ever undisputed WWF title. So it was a three-match tournament to unify the world titles. Austin defeated Kurt Angle to retain the WWF title. Then Again, Jericho defeated The Rock, and then Jericho upsets Austin to be the first ever undisputed champion. If that's not trying to get a guy over, there ain't no such thing. That's how you do it. And stars like The Rock and Austin doing the honors for a guy they're trying to get over so they can create more opponents was exactly the right thing to do. And uh, I've always said great stars are not selfish. There are, to some degree, they have to be a little selfish. But when it comes to taking away from the product because of your creative, uh, you're screwing yourself and the fans. Big night for Chris Jericho. December the 9th, 2001. I always enjoy doing the birthdays, kids. I love birthdays. I don't like to celebrate mine anymore, but I love birthdays in general. And today, Wednesday, as we record, we've been the late Walt Disney's 117th birthday. 117 for old Walt. Let me tell you something. Walt Disney was a great babysitter. Things like the Daniel Boone. Davy Crockett, uh, Leslie Nielsen was a Swamp Fox. Fest Parker was, I think, Daniel Boone. Uh, I love those shows. My dad would watch them with me until the cartoons came on, then he bailed. Uh, well, Mr. Disney would have been 117 today. And uh, 
probably the greatest booker of all time. The characters that he created that he put on his TV shows, he got them over, are still over. Decades later. You know why? Because his audience made an emotional investment in those characters, whether it be Mickey Mouse or anybody else. That's how good Walt Disney was. Great vision. Making, creating characters that last. Little Richard, uh, 80, 86 years old, member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, the late Chris Tolis with his brother John, a great tag team. Uh, he would have been 89 on uh, Wednesday. My good friend Larry Zavisco. Oh, hi, JR. Let's talk about Bruno. I had that run with Bruno, you know. Want to play golf for money? How about smoke a little dube? <laughs> Larry Zavisco, quite the cat. 67. Sir Lawrence Zavisco is about a month older than me. Uh, former WWF tag champion. Uh, we mentioned this earlier with Davey Boy Smith. Uh, the great uh, Dynamite Kid died earlier today on his 60th birthday. Man, that's cruel irony. On Thursday, a fellow WWE Hall of Famer, Mark Class of 2007, the late great Nick Bockwinkel, had been 84. Boy, he was smooth as silk, man. Watch some Nick Bockwinkel matches and see how good he was. He would, la- he would be a main inventor in any era that I've ever lived through. That good. Nick. Love Nick. Uh, two-time NWA tri- uh, Tri-State Tag Champion, the late Dennis Stamp. Remember Dennis Stamp from some of the – he was affiliated with like a Terry Funk uh, documentary or movie or something. Dennis is a real good wrestler, good amateur. Could be a pain in the ass sometimes, but he was a good worker. Uh, let's see here. Another birthday on Friday on Pearl Harbor Day. Uh the late Skull Murphy would have been 88, big-time champion, WWF tag champion. He was a big star in the Mid-Atlantic for Mr. Crockett. Uh, three-time NBA MVP, three-time champ, uh, 12-time All-Star, must I say more, Prince Lick, Indiana, Sir Lawrence of Bird, Larry Bird, 62 on Friday. Uh Fellow Hall of Famer, class of 2017, uh, the late Ravishing Rick Rude, one of the most underrated heels ever in wrestling. Would have been 60 on uh, Friday. God, he left early. Man. Uh, she's still around, and she's doing well. No, uh, follow Tammy Lynn Stitch, Sonny, 46 years old on uh, uh, on Friday. And she is uh, doing well. I follow her on Facebook. She is a, she's a pretty good cook, it seems to me like. Maybe she missed her calling. But uh, Sonny, happy birthday, 46 on Friday. Hope you get all the Louis Vuitton you can handle. Uh, Terrell Owens is 45. He got inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in a side and left-handed kind of way. I wonder with all the XFL talk that Terrell's going to try to go out for the XFL, get a tryout. I seen him on TV doing things. He looks like he's in great shape, but he's also 45. Who knows? Uh, Dean Ambrose is 33 on Friday. Uh, what the hell was he wearing on his face on, on Raw? Some gas mask type thing. I, I, he had, but he did have some druids, so to speak, with him. 
all wearing gas masks. I think they were trying to steal Marty Sherrill's uh, gimmick. On Saturday, remember the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the doors, the late great Jim Morrison would have been 75. A very talented cat. Three-time Stampede World Middle Heavyweight Champion. Gama Singh, 64. Happy birthday, sir. Current Raw play-by-play announcer, the esteemed voice of Monday Night Raw and WWE, Michael Cole, turns 50 on Saturday. Happy birthday, Michael. Michael's in a tough spot. Those shows he's doing, those three-hour shows on Monday night, uh, real undertaking, very challenging. So for all he does for the company, which is a lot, uh, he's the MVP kind of guy there and a good man. Seven-time pro bowler and current starting quarterback for the L.A. Charges, the father of our country with nine or ten kids. Philip Rivers is 37. Still going strong. Ten-time Grammy nominee Nicki Minaj is 36. Two-time WWE Cruiserweight Champion Enzo Amore, 32 years old on Saturday. On uh, Monday, uh, my old XFL broadcast partner Dick Buckus, arguably the greatest linebacker in the history of the National Football League, will be 76. Uh, Dick and my pregame consisted of a half a pint of Crown Royal and a cigarette, and he didn't even smoke. I had I was a bad influence on Dick Buckus. You're right. Four-time WWE champion, fellow Hall of Famer, Kurt Angle, 50. Man, where did time go? And that's something going to still a freak. Don't kid yourself. I wouldn't want to see him in the ring every week, but once or twice a year, I could dig it. And then finally on a Tuesday, former light heavyweight champion in WWF, S.A. Rios, a.k.a. Papi Chulo, among other names, will celebrate his birthday. So our heartfelt wishes to a happy birthday to all that are celebrating. And uh, remember, folks, when you come on over, OJR's got your cake. You've got mail. Hey, folks, don't forget now, this Saturday afternoon, Jerry Lawler and I'll be in uh, Cleveland, our last show of the year, uh, stage show of the year. Uh, we'll be at Hilarities in Cleveland. Tickets are on sale now at hilarities.com uh, or at the box office at Hilarities in Cleveland uh, for our two-man show. Hope you'll check us out if you're in the area. Uh, VIP meet and greet starts at 2 o'clock. The show, starts at four, or the show itself starts at 4 o'clock. We guarantee you're going to have fun. Your questions are, are requested, needed, and appreciated. And we don't vet anything. Ask whatever you choose. If you buy a ticket, you should be able to ask the question that you choose. Simple as that. That's this Saturday afternoon in Cleveland at uh, Hilarities. And also regarding uh, Saturday afternoon, don't forget we're going to be recording that show for a future podcast here on the mighty Westwood One. Probably around the holidays, meaning Christmas time, somewhere in the neighborhood. But uh, you can be your question can be heard nationwide. You never know. So check us out there. Uh, mailbag time uh, again. Remember, you can email Ted or myself, Raphael, at the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com for your questions, your comments, including uh, we got this from uh, Daniel Lindy, who lives in Pittsburgh. JR first, Stone Cold, Vince McMahon, The Rock, The Undertaker, 
Cain, Mankind, and all the other icons from the Attitude Era would have been less iconic without you and the King on commentary. Thank you, sir. Very nice of you. Uh, my question is in regards to the announcement of the eight cities of the new XFL. I understand that why New York and LA has been appealed to the league, but wouldn't it have been better for them to pick cities that apparently do not have an NFL team. Well, I don't know what would have been better for worse, uh, Daniel. I'm sure they did a lot of research on it. It was a partnership deal where they wanted to have a partnership with the, with the venues, uh, maybe some markets that was not available or the venues were not com- commensurate or what they, the image that they wanted to, to utilize. I have full confidence that Vince McMahon hired uh, the right man in Oliver Luck to run this league and that they're going to do a phenomenal job. So I like the selections of the eight cities. We mentioned them earlier. Uh, and maybe, you know, what you're always looking for here, you can go big or go home. And so maybe some of those cities that you alluded to that don't have an NFL team, they might be on the, the, the next list of, uh, of city acquisitions. I don't know. But I do think they're going in the right direction, uh, Daniel. Thanks for your, uh, your mail. John Gallagher. Hi, Jim. I really enjoy your show. My most sincere condolences on the loss of your wife. Uh, those we love are always with us, and she would be so proud of the enjoyment and relief your show brings your many fans. That's nice of you. Appreciate it. And some of them are going through a tough time. Yes, sir. We all go through tough times. Uh, my question is about fantasy booking in the 80s. Who are some of the wrestlers who never got world title runs Do you think might have been made good champions if they're around today? He, you're, he's thinking of Orndorff, King Kong, Bundy. You're stealing from me, buddy. You're stealing your money, Bundy. Ernie Ladd, the King Kong Bundy. Tito Santana, they all, they all had good runs, no doubt about it. I've always thought that uh, one guy that stands out to me that could have been a great world champion would, would have been uh, Arn Anderson because he had the skill set to make anybody he worked with better than they actually were. He could be a villain or a fan favorite. His promos would carry uh, a, a huge weight, and he's really talented, believable. That's one guy. And I'm sure we went through the list, you know. Ted DiBiase would have been a great NWA champion. Uh, Dick Murdoch he would, would not want to be Shemp of the Three Stooges in his comedy act and his matches would have been a phenomenal NWA champion. There's a lot of guys that, that probably deserved the opportunity, but it's nobody's right. But uh, there's some of the names. But I think a DiBiase, Arn Anderson. You know, I like fundamentally sound guys that are durable. Uh reliable. The, the, I said this before, you guys that have businesses or anything, the most, the most enduring trait a recruit, a prospect gate would give me would be reliability. I'll take reliability over how look the, how they, how long, nice their tan is, how many, how much ink they got on their body, all that stuff. How many sunset flips they can do and land on the floor and not kill themselves. So there's a lot of right answers as to who would be a great champion. Uh, but I do think that the frequency of changing titles, uh, every time you change the title in a short amount of time, it decreases the value and the prestige of said championship. That's why I talked about in the earlier in the show about uh, wrestlers winning titles and how, what a big deal they were because titles didn't change hands that often. I mean, how many times did the title changed hands when Bruno was champion of WWF in that nine-year run? Exactly. 
This is from uh, Taylor Diamond in Reno. I shot a man in Reno, Taylor, just to watch him die. And now I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and I hang my head and cry. Dear JR, I know this is a cliche. Cliches in wrestling? There's no cliches in wrestling. But it's both very true and something you said you like hearing. You were the voice of my childhood. <laughs> well, thank you. I loved hearing you as the moral compass every Monday night and appreciate how well you were able to connect with the viewers. You know why that that way, Taylor? I was just like the viewers. I still am. Wrestling fans. Hey, bet your sweet ass, buddy. If you're going to watch wrestling on Monday night or Tuesday night or Wednesday night, any night, any night ending in Y, if you're going to take your time to sit in front of your television or whatever your device is and watch wrestling, you're a wrestling fan. Wrestling's probably not an entity that people watch out of, oh, just flipping around, I saw it on, I thought I'd watch it. No. That might happen occasionally, but not that often. you got to have an emotional investment to, to make it work. So his question is, uh, what are your thoughts on Michael Cole and Corey Gray's heatedly questioning Renee Young every time her husband, Dean Ambrose, does something villainous? I get that most viewers probably don't know that Young and Ambrose are married, but wouldn't it be better to simply say, not say anything? Sometimes laying out and not responding speaks volumes. You're right. Uh, I don't think that the longer people talk about something that I'm not seeing on my screen, uh, the more disconnected I can become. So uh, I have not noticed any uh, excessive uh, banner between Cole and Gray's uh, regarding Renee, and she's in a tough spot. She's in a tough spot with, with that. But I don't believe that she's uh, getting set up to be a, a, you know, a heel and, and support her heel husband. Maybe I'm wrong. I wouldn't use her that way. Renee Young can be a phenomenal broadcaster and is a phenomenal broadcaster, but she's, she's smart and she's uh, assertive and she's goal-oriented. She wants to be really, really good because if you're really, really good, guess what? You make a lot of money. So I think that's her goal. But she just got a hand, tough hand dealt to her. But I love her work by and large. Like I said, that, pro, that three-hour show is not easy to navigate. That's not an announcer's dream show. I think it used to be. That's my perception. But that, the third hour and the, the switching, turning from baby face to heel and back again, and uh, it's just, it's challenging. Continuity is needed. Creative continuity is a big thing. Patience, big thing. From Joe's iPhone in Mustang, Oklahoma. Uh, Let's see here. Anthony Allen used to live in Mustang. I used to do some recording over there for uh, video games, I think, for, for THQ back in the day. The Ant-Man had a little studio there in his town of Mustang. He's now a big shot in, uh, in country radio. I think he's in Austin. Uh, this may be a dumb question, but I'm 45, and I've been watching wrestling just about all my life, and I've always wondered, if there was something of significance with the little white rope that you see tag teams hold while waiting for a tag. I've been a fan for a long time, JR. Keep up the good work, Boomer. Well, sooner to you, my friend, uh, Boomer Sooner. 
Uh, yeah, it's a tag rope. You're supposed to have a hold of the tag rope when you make a tag. If you're not holding the tag rope when you when you tag your partner, if you're not holding it, there's no tag. It's a tag rope. It's a rule. But like many of the rules in wrestling, to the detriment of the performers and the presentation, rules have become lax. That's like, uh, I'll give you an example. I thought when we, we, we allowed clenched fists to be legal, it was a bad mistake. Because you can't have somebody hit somebody else in the face with a clenched fist and not leave any DNA time and time and time again without exposing your product. Don't like it. Rules are meant to be broken as far as your villain, being a villain is concerned. And the more rules logically that a villain can break, the more angst and heat, if you will, he or she will get. Don't take any of those tools out of their toolbox. That's my story there, and I believe in it. So that's it for this week's Mailbag, kids. Uh, remember, you can email myself or any of us here at the show at thejimrossreport at gmail.com. We appreciate your feedback, your suggestions. Do you have a guest list you want somebody you want to see on the show that, that we haven't had on for a while or never? Uh, like our next guest. We've never had Ian Riccoboni on a show. He's the voice of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. So without further ado, uh, let's take you to my convo recorded earlier today with Ian Riccoboni of Ring of Honor. He's the voice of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Ian Riccoboni is joining us here, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time. Ian, thanks for uh, taking time out what I'm sure is a very busy schedule, especially considering that uh, you guys have got a big pay-per-view coming up in a, in a few days, December 14th to be exact. But again, thanks for, for joining me here today. Oh, it's my pleasure, JR. You know, it, it's such a thrill to be able to talk to someone of your stature, uh, someone that, that I've always really looked up to and uh, somebody that really inspired me to get into wrestling broadcasting. So, you know, I'm certainly excited. Any opportunity, I know we're getting close to final battle, but any any opportunity to, to speak with you is, is a great opportunity. Oh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. You know, I was looking at doing a little research uh, on you uh, because all I knew was what I heard uh, on uh, Ring of Honor television. And, you know, I live in Norman, Oklahoma, so there's two, I think there's two Sinclair stations in Oklahoma City, uh, the Fox and the CW, and they both air ROH. So I either get it coming or going, so to speak, uh, on, on the local television. Uh, but I didn't realize you may be the most well-educated pro wrestling announcer in the world. <laughs> it's, something that I, it's something that my parents really instilled in me from a young age. Um, yeah, I was very fortunate. I, I was born in a trailer park in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And, and really quickly, uh, I saw through hard work, you know, my dad is a stationary engineer and my mom worked at, at McDonald's. She was a manager. Um, I saw them both obtain education and, and both change the, the trajectory of, of where our family was going. And uh, they got it to a, a place we never had to want for anything. And so, you know, when my sister was the first to go to college and then I was the second, I, I figured I'd, I'd shoot for the stars. So um, I'm still paying some of the, the student loans from NYU and from Penn for my master's degree, but it certainly put me in a, in a, a neat spot and gave me some cool opportunities in New York. And of course, with Ring of Honor. To get a bachelor's from NYU is pretty impressive. And uh, notwithstanding, getting a master's degree from uh, Penn 
big time. So congratulations on that. Hey, look, uh, the only people that can really put limits on us are the, or is the reflection we see in the mirror. I do believe that. And sometimes uh, our naivete can be a blessing. If I had stopped and thought or had the background or the input or surrounded by a certain group of people that uh, my chubby cheeks and Southern accent, and then finally three bouts of Bell's palsy would keep me from, would keep probably keep me from being on television. Well, I didn't know that. Uh, and so I luckily when I got the Bell's palsy, I was already kind of in the game. But before that, hell, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to make it. And I, I love that attitude because if you think that, you know, you know how this goes. If you believe that you're not going to be successful, guess what? You're probably not. And are are you teaching now? I am. So I, I do adjunct uh, adjunct professor work at, at Holy Family University, and it, it's a really cool class. It's intro to uh, sports and communications, media and communications, and it's it's really rewarding. So it's kind of been this this strange thread through my entire life. And when you talked about that attitude, you know, I, I picked that up along the way. Danny Cage at the Monster Factory and Larry Sharp helped instill that in me. And just the idea that, that you can't make it unless you're physically there, unless you're putting in the work, learning to set up the ring. You know, you can have all the education in the world, but if you don't, if you don't understand the wrestling and you don't have the education to go with it, it's, it's something else. But yeah, I, I Currently, you know, I teach at Holy Family University, and I, I love it. It's just something extra I do, but it's really rewarding, especially when you get a couple wrestling fans in your class. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would think that uh, that schedule uh, is somewhat compatible to your ROH work. I mean, obviously, you're doing it. So how, you're kind of lucky that you you have a day job that, that allows you to do the day job and still pursue your passion uh, in the crazy, wacky world of, of, of wrestling. Yes, indeed. And it's something, too, where it, it one benefits the other in, in a lot of ways. I feel like, you know, I, I get credibility with the kids off the bat by saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm living this right now. And this was my path. It's not the right path for everybody, but this is how I got there. And here's the basics and fundamentals and the mechanics. And then, you know, for wrestling, it, to be in there with somebody like Colt Cabana, who's, who's traveled the world 20 times and then some, who's mm -hmm. wrestled in China and Japan, uh, it helps me kind of establish a quick rapport with him and, and some legitimacy with him as well. Well, you know, you, the key to any uh, duo, whether it be uh, wrestling or, or otherwise, football, basketball, whatever it may be, uh, the, uh, is chemistry. And chemistry can't be created by a booker. Uh, even though a lot of bookers love to take credit for everything good, uh, at least that's been my experience the last 40 plus years, uh, bookers become very, very uh, omnipotent and very important when things are drawing. And they become less involved and less responsible when things are not drawing. And you can't have it both ways. But you got to have chemistry. I know that, period, bottom line. That's why I was lucky. I had great partners along the way. That, all, that I think all of them made me better, and I learned from each and every person I, I worked with. So Colt and you and Colt do a good job. I, I think I tweeted out one time that uh, you, you guys are perfect for that brand. And I meant that obviously as a compliment. I, I still believe it. There's enough fun involved in the commentary, but when it's serious time and, and, and when the heel's getting heat, and, it, and you instead of talking about a backstory. Well, you know, three years ago, he broke two ribs, but he still wrestled. Okay, I don't care. 
because right now he's getting a hell beat out of him. Unless this is not real and you know he's not in jeopardy. And that's what it indicates to me is when, when we as announcers deviate from what the fans are seeing in a dramatic and exciting moment, that's not the time for backstory. At least that's my take on it. No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I, I think back to, to growing up in Allentown. I, I got to watch the NWA. I got to watch WWF, um, AWA. We, we had all kinds of things, ECW, NWF, you name it. And one of the things that, that I really took notice of and one of the things that Kevin Kelly had helped me with in my journey and, and Colt and a number of the partners that I've worked with and Don Callis when we did all in together uh, was feeling the match and feeling the moment. And one of the things I, I, I try and steal from you, I hope you don't mind, is you know you always had a great sense of, of when to ramp up and when to get excited and, and just and especially when, when the heat, you know, you mentioned when the heat comes in, that's – that's kind of when it's time to lock in and, and get serious. So I, I certainly hope you don't mind. I try and no. emulate a, a little <laughs> bit from, from your playbook. I appreciate it very much. Uh, well, the guys work so damn hard. You know, it's, it's always going to be about the boys or the ladies uh, as, it's, as it's evolving to anyway, uh, which is a good mm-hmm. thing too in my view. Uh, no one should be limited on their opportunities, no, no matter their gender, no matter their color, their religion, none of that stuff. They should be, that should all be based on their skill set and their, their, their abilities. So, uh, but I, I believe that they'll always make the music and we, uh, especially you, because you're much busier right now than I am, uh, would say, uh, okay, I'll, you, you make this great music because my job is to give you great lyrics and together when we put them together and you know a little something about music, because you got a music background, uh, and, and for real. Then all of a sudden, the lyric and the music meld, and you get yourself a nice song, a nice presentation. And that's kind of what I see, what we do as as broadcasters. And uh, how much have you ever been told or what the company philosophy is, Ian, for Ring of Honor as far as their, the announcing? I mean, it, it, I, here's what I sense. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. I sense that they still have no issues being called a pro wrestling company. And I sense that they prioritize dramatic athletic based storylines over comedy. Am I close in that assumption? I would say you've hit the mark and, and we certainly, we certainly have time for fun. Um, you know, we certainly have time for, uh, you know, guys like Dalton castle, who, uh, just this uh, amazing personality and, Very good. and Matt, Matt Taven's growing into his own, and, and Jay Lethal has this aura about him, and Cody and the Young Bucks. It's, it is it is athletic-based, though. I mean, rarely will you see us deviate uh, from us heading into a big pay-per-view like Final Battle from the idea that the championship is the most important thing in Ring of Honor. And mm-hmm. whether that's the, the World Championship or the World Tag Team Championships, or even a guy like Jeff Cobb, who's the, the World TV champ, um, those championships are the primary focus of Ring of Honor. And that doesn't mean from, from time to time again, um, you know, you, you might see Dalton Castle's boys have a tag team match, and it, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, um, but You can't travel the same roadie, and you gotta, you, you're smart. You're perceptive. You can't make a, a, a dramatic moment from a comedy-based uh, presentation. It won't work because you're, you're swimming upstream. You're, you're, you're diametrically opposed of everything your eyes are seeing. 
And I believe this. I believe that when we're talking about one thing, I'm as guilty as anybody else did it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not casting stones here. But when we announcers start, we deviate from what we're seeing on the screen, then uh, we're cheating the, the audience and, more importantly, the talent of, out of what they're doing. I used to have a rule, an internal rule many, many years ago where I, if there was a movement in the match, crisscrossing, arm drags, drop kicks, or just movement in the match, I never backstoried it. I never went to the background. Well, he was a three-time All-American in Oklahoma, blah, 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 whatever. I didn't go there. I, I, I ood odd laid out, nice term, lay out, and you <laughs> let, let the crowd pop, bring you to where you want to go, and, and create that, that special moment on television. So uh, I, I, re, I kind of relinquished that st- the stringency of that uh, philosophy over the years, but I still believe that in theory, if you have movement in the ring, you have you're getting ready to go into false finishes or anything along those lines. That's not the time for the backstory. The time for a backstory is when somebody's got a hold. Now, here's the challenging part about that: we both know that the use of wrestling holds are becoming fewer and farther between which makes that point where I'm making here a little bit more daunting because you don't have those opportunities to, well, you got stationary. It's almost like the old, uh, uh, reverse chin lock, which I detest. Uh, people think it's just a boring hold until somebody that really knows how to apply one gets you in it for fun. That's not so fun. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so it, it's just a, uh, if you got somebody in a stationary position, you got them in a headlock, you're working the headlock. There's your time to slip in all your, your one-liners and your backgrounds and all those things, because you're not deviating from what I'm seeing because they're stationary, but that's a, a one thought, but I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm really, I think you guys do a great job. Colt's very funny. Uh, both of you guys are highly intelligent. So you know what, where not to go. And sometimes we always are guilty of venturing off into no man's land. Hell I do it. I, 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 I've got all my voiceovers done now for access TV for the rest of the year and I'm done. Uh, until uh, hopefully uh, later on in 2019. But nonetheless, uh, I, I would find myself doing that time, from time to time. And I just stopped the tape and said, okay, let's, can we pick that back up over here? Because I, I don't know where the hell my mind was, but it ain't where it's supposed to be. Part of that, though, I felt it with Colt. You just, sometimes you have so much fun out there and you get lost in the moment and the match mm-hmm. that it's a feeling that I don't know that many people get to experience other than ourselves or you know the handful of folks that have been in that position where you're you're enjoying the match you're enjoying where it's going you're thinking about what's coming next and sometimes you get lost in the match itself or you get lost thinking about what might be to come in the you know come later on in the night so i can definitely i can definitely empathize with that i it, i caught myself certainly during all in and uh, absolutely during the, f- the first pay-per-view i ever called i found myself going into no man's land sure man it's, it's human nature as long as you're still a fan that's going to be a, a an area you got to kind of be aware of because i'm still a fan I'm, I'm an old dude i still like i love wrestling uh absolutely. And i love all presentations Ian. i don't you know i i I've had a great run, and I've been very blessed to be able to do what I do for a living. Uh, and by the way, you mentioned all in a couple times here. I, oh, I yes, made. Sir. I was there. Uh, I got there late because I went to the OU Army game. I think earlier that day in Norman. Then I flew to Oklahoma City, Chicago. I joined the matches in progress. Uh, so I just missed the uh, 
Cody NWA title win over Nick Aldis. I didn't have any, I didn't have a second. I didn't even think about them going on that early. Be that as it may, I missed it. Uh, but how did you, how did you enjoy the experience overall, uh, of the show? Cause I, I know you guys are on a tight time line and almost didn't get off the air quick enough. Well, I've been there. (laughs) That's not a new conundrum, by the way, it happens. Guys go long. Oh, certainly. And, and how how was, how was, how much fun was it? What I'm trying to find out here. Oh, it was incredible. Um, I flew my wife and, and our son out who just turned two, his name is Zach. And they (laughs) came to the Sears center and it was just something on the calendar that was, that was different. And you knew going into it, it had the makings to be special. And it was almost like if everything went right or if everything went wrong, this was going to be something that, that I knew I was going to remember forever. And so, you know, I, I just, I may be overprepared for it. I had little flashcards with, with the fellows that I, I didn't quite know, like Bandito and, and Nick Aldis would be the first time I was calling one of his matches. So, um, you know, I wanted to make sure I knew, I knew the backgrounds of, of each of the wrestlers and, and the stars. And, uh, but uh, just the, the energy and the environment, um, our mutual friend Gary Jester was the one that, that told me to just take a deep breath and, and to look around every couple minutes <laughs> and just enjoy it. Absolutely. Um, and it was amazing. Being able to call Cody's NWA championship win was something that, you know, I'll never forget. Um, I've become a, you know, Cody's been such a big part of Ring of Honor over the last couple of years that to be able to be a part of that, that special moment for him uh, really meant a lot to me and to know what that championship means to his whole family. So I'll never forget that. And, and just the, the display of athleticism, the guys like the Young Bucks and Rey Mysterio uh, put on display. It was just, it, it's something that it's going to be hard to top that in, in my career. It, it definitely um, was the biggest event I ever called. And it just had this, it just has this magic feeling whenever I think about it or talk about it. I've heard through the grapevine that uh, All In 2 will happen perhaps as early as May of 2019. Uh, all uh, on the rumor mill. So, uh, but I can't imagine as successful as it seemed that All In was. Uh, we're talking about there in Chicago. Why wouldn't you want to have another one? And uh, but I think one a year is plenty. I think you don't want to wear out the theme. But uh, it the great challenging part about this is that for the Booker types, for those young guys that uh, Cody's and Young Bucks and those cats who like to be creative and like to book, you know, uh, I think, I think Cody feels like that's his life's work because his dad was so good at it. And he mm-hmm. wants to honor his father by being a great known as a great booker as well. And Hey, why not? So somebody's going to do it. Ian, somebody's going to be the booker. Somebody's going to create the content that uh, you put in the ring. And then guys like you and I got to make it better than it is. That's our job. So whatever, wherever it may be, but, uh, I think the second all-in will be uh, uh, terrific. I know they had to learn a lot of things in the last one. I had a blast there. I was there the next day on Sunday uh, and did some uh, uh, podcast stuff and some signing and some things like that that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, but I like working with Conrad, and you know, uh, I wasn't around the Bucks and, and Cody that much uh, on Saturday at all. I saw him on Sunday. But Conrad's a guy I talk to a lot. He's a very bright guy and does a – He's got a, he's a good producer. He's a good showrunner, whatever you want to say, did a good job. Mm-hmm. He just got to get off the damn phone and leave me alone about the Oklahoma, Alabama game. Cause he's killing me. <laughs> he's killing me. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's that's the one thing about going to, to NYU and Penn. We NYU doesn't have a football team, and Penn's in the Ivy League, so they don't. They don't they, <laughs> once once they're done, they're done. I don't got to worry about it. Hey, were you when, when you were growing up, Ian? Were you a fan of the British Bulldogs? Uh, absolutely, yeah. What and what you th- what, thinking about Dynamite passing away as we record this a few hours earlier uh, in this con- before this conversation? Uh, he was quite the character uh, in and out of the ring. Uh, and all that stuff becomes subjective, but the bottom line, he was very, uh, he was very innovative and very influential in my estimation. A lot of the things you see today, uh, came from Tommy Billington, uh, that the guys do snap suplexes and, you know, a lot of the things that ran when you run and make contact could be a knee, whatever it may be. He influenced so many, uh, areas. What do you remember most? What, what? What flipped your switch on the Bulldogs, especially as you look at uh, the Dynamite Kid? I, I love the British Bulldogs when, when I was growing up, and, and the biggest thing for me for Dynamite Kid was was the explosiveness, uh, how quick and how precise he was on his feet. Everything he did that had meaning had an impact. Um, you know, thinking back to, to seeing the, his matches against Tiger Mask for the first oh, time, that was amazing. that was something. It was it was crazy because they were on these these best of WWF tapes that, you know, had some of the more traditional matches of the time with guys, you know, like Don Morocco, Pedro Morales, uh, you know, Hulk guys that, that weren't wrestling that style. And then all of a sudden you see dynamite kid and, and, and tiger mask. And, and then all the, then the British bulldog comes in and they form the tag team, he and Davey. And it was just incredible. And as, as I got older and tapes and DVDs became more available, one of the first compilation tapes I ever bought, it was, it was the best of the Dynamite Kid. And just to see him versus Brett and to see him in Japan and then uh, some of the great tag team matches that, that didn't even necessarily air across the country for, for the WWE, it's, it's something incredible. He really changed the game and uh, really innovated in the wrestling ring. And, of course, I read, I read his book also, um, Cur Dynamite, which paints a little bit of a different picture, but I, it felt like that was almost cleansing for him to, to yeah. put those things out there and, and to uh, atone and, and to take ownership of some of the things he did. So, you know, Dynamite Kid, he, he really influenced specifically a lot of the guys in Ring of Honor. Um, I know for certain he's in NXT right now, but I know Kyle O'Reilly really, uh, he was a big Dynamite Kid fan. Guys like Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards, uh, who had been in Ring of Honor before, um, they were highly influenced by Dynamite Kid. I saw some of their social media earlier today. Um, but he just, he changed the game. And it was almost like once once that door was open and the possibilities were revealed, it, it was almost like there was no turning back. And my favorite moment is, is from the wrestling classic with, with he and Randy Savage. And he goes for the superplex. And, and Randy Savage counters it in midair, and I'd never seen that before, and it was just incredible. Yeah, the, so much innovation, and the, the, he was not afraid to try new things. He was not afraid to get out of his uh, comfort zone in his wheelhouse. He was willing to add new elements, new wrinkles to his game plan. So, therefore, you have got to add something every match, but every so often you need to add, add a few things. Uh and people say, well, how do you do that? Because they use the same finish. There's ways to, you know, as you know, there's a, there's multiple ways to get into one's finish. And if you don't, you don't take the, the same route every time, don't, you know, don't drive the same direction, go misdirection 
but still get to where you, your your destination was always going to be. He he had no issues doing that. He was very bold, and maybe sometimes too bold. I saw what Harley Race said. Harley said, "I'm sorry that I invented the uh, top rope diving headbutt." He said, because, <laughs> he, he said because I got to think that that may have had a, a negative effect on uh, on dynamite. So because dynamite used that a lot, and uh, boy, when he did it. Now you know we can digitally look at these matches and slow things down, what have you. There's no margin for error for him, so you know that he made more contact than probably would have been advantageous to make. But uh, he had no fear, man. He had no fear and was a tough little son of a gun too. And here's the other thing, Ian. You mentioned uh, Edwards and uh, uh, Eddie Edwards and Stevie uh, Davy Richards, Stevie Richards, mm-hmm. another Richards brother. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, dynamite showed promoters and fans and everybody else that were paying attention that you did not have to be six feet tall to become a wrestling star. So I believe he opened the door for a lot of sub six footers to come in here in the business and, and be able to make a damn good living because, uh, they were, their size now was more accepted because of the success and the extreme abilities of Tommy Billington. That's kind of how I looked at this deal. So, He'll really be missed. I know that. I, I know his last few years was not good, but uh, as we as his book kind of indicates a little bitterness here there. But he was what a phenomenal hand, just absolutely phenomenal. And you know, even I'm assuming. What do you think? You think he those matches with Tiger Mask? Some of those some of those matches are. Uh, there was one famous one from the Garden, or maybe about yeah. eighty two or something like that. I, I, I'm assuming that those are all. Uh, available on the WWE network in some shape, form or fashion. Wouldn't you think? I, I believe the the first tiger mask match, I, I think I saw Chris Charlton, who's, who's one of the new Japan commentators. I think I saw him tweet out that the first one's available on new Japan world. And then I think there's a handful on the best of tapes that I think have been uploaded to the WWE network. So okay. I yeah. think, I think between the two services, you can probably catch most of them now. Yeah, and if you're a fan, and all you folks are listening are fans, and we appreciate you being here. You're helping uh, make a living for Ian, and you're helping make a living for me, and we appreciate you. Uh, I think uh, go out of your way to find at least one version of uh, Dynamite Tiger Mask, and you'll be amazed, and you'll say, well, that looks like a lot of the things I see today. You're, you're right, but this is the <laughs> early 80s. This is a long, long time ago. So, uh, it's really good. Hey, you mentioned, uh, you growing up there in Hamburg, like you said, uh, a lot of Allentown, I'm sorry, Allentown. I almost think of Allentown and Hamburg as twin cities because they used to do the TV tapings in both places. Right. Uh, and they're very, very close too. Yeah. So Allentown, you're a good place to grow up as a wrestling fan. When you were younger, what, what announcers, uh, were you, uh, what announcers did it for you? What announcers did you say, I, I like the way that guy sounds or the way that style is or, and, and I'm entertained or I'm, I'm informed or whatever it may be. Who'd you listen to uh, as a student of the game back in your younger days? Sure. This is going to be, this is going to be a three-part answer. I've thought of this one quite a bit. And um, just for the, the overall excitement, enthusiasm, and making it feel like a big event, I don't know that there's anybody better than when I was younger to just hear Vince McMahon just take it, you know, the dial goes up to 10 and he was at an 11 <laughs> by the time the, the yeah. event started. 
you know, for for in mat presentation, for making it feel like the stakes were were the heaviest and the biggest. Uh, I listen to you. They're just the the ability to make things feel important and to make the championships feel important. I think that you you are absolutely the best, and especially in, in you know my favorite match. Some of my favorite matches are are, are Doc and Gordy versus the Steiners. Yeah. Um, wow. With just yeah, just these you know four big dudes just you know really taking it to one another. And but then too you know you and Jess uh, versus you know calling. Liger and Pillman. I mean, that's a match that will always stand out for me hmm. in large part because of the athleticism, but also the commentary and, and the way that you were able to quickly frame Jushin Liger as somebody that, that the fans should care about. Um, just those things and that ability I stole from you. And then, um, you know, Tony Schiavone, I always thought was great at just resetting, being that guy on the desk on cam to really hmm. – try and bring everything back to center, take the breath, and to move on to the, the next match and really give some weight to what we just saw. So uh, I try and steal from the three of you whenever I can, you know, looking back. Because I was able to get everything. Allentown is, you know, 75 miles from New York City. It's 60 miles from Philly. So we got all the broadcast channels from New York and Philadelphia. And we got, you know, all the cable shows like the AWA, like uh, Global, um, everything that was wrestling I was watching. I was probably watching wrestling seven days a week until I was about seven or eight years old. <laughs> yeah, get back, get back to those books. Right. <laughs> Ian, you got to get that wrestling. You got to get away from it. You're never going to be a wrestler. Move. Get your, get your homework done. Uh, well, uh, all those guys, uh, I you know, I think Vince's announcing is underrated by and large because – Here's the funny thing about that deal, about Vince, in my view, some people, how they look at him. Vince was such a great heel in the Attitude Era. He was the perfect uh, foil for Stone Cold. And even though we we had a we were blessed in WWE at that time to be able to manufacture uh, some amazing help manufacture help facilitate the development of some great baby faces. And that's daunting today. Uh, the era of the fan, the pure fan favorite is just about, it's not diminished. It's diminished. It hasn't disappeared, but it's, it's hard for companies to make baby faces. That's all I'm saying. And a lot of that is because the audience is a little, a little more defiant, a little brazen. Uh, they're out, very outspoken. And sometimes uh, they prefer to be a part of the show and, and cheer the heels. That doesn't make any heel happy, by the way, folks, when you cheer them. It's not even cool. But, you know, you pay your money, so I guess you can do what the hell you want. Uh, but I thought Vince's work was always underrated. And uh, you're right. He, he had the other gear. And we all have to have the other gear to get to the promised land. And that's why I heard some work that you guys did uh, a few weeks ago. And maybe was, I watched a lot of the stuff on Fight, uh, the Fight app. They do a good job. Your pay-per-views. I, I don't hardly miss any pay-per-views I watched on Fight. Uh, and I'm sure there are other ways to access it. But uh, you get, you, ha- you guys have the uh, uh, wherewith it all to know that you got to have that other gear. That's like a wrestler having another gear. They can't be all on the same pace. you got to have an ability to excel. And like you said, the, the suddenness, uh, uh, like a, a, a Dynamite, was that was his deal. Dynamite had different levels. And so when he, when he really got going, it was almost like a blur. 
So it was all, all good stuff. But I think Vince is kind of underrated. I'm glad to see Tony. Have you worked with Tony at all? I have, and I've got to meet him. And I know that I know that Cody wanted to have him involved uh, potentially for the, the NWA title match at All In. So I, I didn't want to get my hopes up. I knew that was a possibility. I, I'd love to work with Tony. I'd love to work with you someday. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to be available. <laughs> it looks like I'm not looking for work, to be honest with you, but I certainly uh, – would never turn down an opportunity. Well, that brings up this question. How excited can you get about uh, April 2019 in the garden? Oh, <laughs> I, I can't even believe it. I, you know, going to school at, at NYU, I've told the story about the, the Manhattan Center, the Hammerstein Ballroom. I couldn't afford to go to, to Ring of Honor events there, and they were only 20 bucks. You know, Carrie Silk and, uh, priced them so that anybody who wanted a ticket could pretty much get in, but I, I couldn't even afford that. And so, you know, when I was in school, I'd, I'd go, you know, around Christmas time, I'd always walk up and see Macy's and I'd always see the garden. And, um, you know, I got, I saved up my money one year. I saw, I saw the boss there. And, and so I, I've rarely been in the building despite having lived about four years there and, and seeing it every couple weeks or every couple days in New York city and, and knowing the wrestling history. And this is the first time that anybody not affiliated with the WWE has run it in about 60 years. I, I can't even believe it. It, it. I was stunned. <laughs> I was not in the know of the potential of this occurring. And so just like everybody else, when I opened up Twitter and I saw, I saw ring of honor, MSG, new Japan, G one, uh, it blew my mind. And, uh, it, it's something too, where, you know, it, this crazy wrestling landscape in 2019, yeah. uh, we, you know, between that and then, you know, we mentioned Cody and the Bucks and, and, you know, we know that Okada is going to be at, at the Garden, which is going to be an incredible highlight for him. Uh, guys like Jay Lethal and Bully Ray, uh, Matt Taven, they've said they're, they're going to be there and, and Tanahashi and some of these big, big stars. Uh, there could be more big stars. Who knows? I mean, it, this 2019 is shaping up to be a, a crazy, crazy year, and I, yeah, I think it is. We'll yeah. see a little bit of movement on December 31st or or midnight with one that's second on, on January 1st. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. Up. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, well, look, here's the thing about that. Uh, I learned this from Bill Watts early on in my career. Uh, when somebody leaves, and then it happened more often because you were in a territory, and uh, 95 percent of the guys if not more did not have a contract so the the, the bond was a, a a gentleman's agreement a handshake and if you're a preliminary guy you gave two weeks notice if you're a, a main event level guy you, you were obligated you know at least in theory to give six weeks notice sometimes negotiated down to four but rarely less than four happened uh so you, I think we're going to see uh, some movement without a doubt, but the, here's the, my point. There, it, all it does is give others an opportunity. You know, I don't, have, I don't have any clue how long Cody or the Young Bucks or any of those cats are going to be at Ring of Honor. don't have a clue. It isn't any of my business, first of all. I'm, uh, I'm a Ring of Honor guy. I, I love the brand, and I love to watch those kids I just mentioned work. I've called plenty of their matches, you know, that she won the uh, New Japan stuff on Access TV. I enjoyed the hell out of that. Uh, so I, I, uh, I, I just have a – I just look at it as opportunities knocking. Are Would Cody and the Young Bucks be irreplaceable? No. No one is irreplaceable. 
and I love those guys, and they're great talents. If I had a company, I'd sure love to have them on my roster, no doubt about that. But you can't – you're not going to go out of business. You draw together now as a creative staff and announcers like yourself, you got to make new stars. That's what you got to do, and you got to put the same passion and the same enthusiasm behind those those guys, the new guys, as you did the incumbents who are no longer there. Because, how, like you said, this card on, the, on in April could it could have a whole new look, Ian, than it, than we perceive it to have right now, based on the where the players are situated. It's going to be fun to see what how it evolves to me. It, absolutely, and you know, there's been. There's been reports of signings to Ring of Honor of, of some, some really talented guys, both veterans and, and uh, some newer athletes as well to the national scene that, that we're really excited about. And, you know, the, we talked about Cody. He became the Ring of Honor world champion without a contract the first time. And so for me, if it's not written in stone somewhere that, right. that he's leaving or going or coming, he often goes by the beat of his own drum. But, you know, there are guys that, that we know will be there. We know uh, there's a couple guys that I think are ready to be the next guys up. I think Marty Skrull could be that guy. I, think I like Matt his Tatum. game a lot. Yeah, I like Marty. Excuse me to cut you off, but Marty's really talented. I did a podcast with Marty uh, from the cruise, the uh, Jericho cruise, which is a blast. And uh, hopefully hope they do it again. I had a wonderful time. Uh, but Marty – and I did had a conversation, and he's really, really cerebral. He's very, very intelligent. He gets it. So for a Absolutely. company, even for a company, he can be a baby face. He can be a heel. And the other thing he can do, he can have a hand in his creative, and others creative for that matter. Uh, he's got that kind of mind. He has that kind of vision. So uh, you're right. He's a keeper. Matt Taven's evolving, no doubt about it. Your your final battle pay per view uh, next Friday, December fourteenth. Manhattan Center's Hammerstein Ballroom. Is it Hammerstein or Hammerstein? So I say Hammerstein. Colt says Hammerstein. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> okay. I think it's potato, potato. Uh, well, um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. That's a classic build, a classic menu. Uh, lethal defending his uh, Ring of Honor world title against Cody. If it's Cody's last match or not, who knows? And if everybody believes that uh, Jay's going to automatically get a win there, maybe that plays against him and maybe they – Throw a curveball. Who knows? That's the great thing about this crazy business. It's, it shouldn't be predictable. 100%. Uh, you mentioned Dalton Castle. I'm with you on him and Matt Taven. That'll be a good match, too, without that, without a doubt. I like Zach Sabre Jr.'s on the card. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. And then there's uh, Cantankerous, Crotchety, good old Bully Ray. Yeah. Versus Flip Gordon in an I Quit match. Uh, and that's going to be interesting. It will be snug, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I, I am not apologizing. I am in, I am in Camp Flip Gordon, and and Bill Ray knows why. The, the Ring of Honor audience knows why. I think Flip Gordon is going to give Bully what he deserves in in the Hammerstein Ballroom. That's the way it should work out. It's at the at the end of the day, at the end of the day, in the final hurrah. And based on their their where they are in their in their their lifeline, Flip Gordon maybe should win. But to, can you just the here, here's the thing: hearing Bully Ray or Bubba Ray, as I call him still, because uh, I'm not hip anymore. Uh, he's he's a <laughs> he's a great heel, and to hear him say I quit is almost hard to fathom. 
Yeah, that would that would mean something if he if he went down that route. That would mean a lot, especially if Flip Gordon could do it. Uh, gosh, you got so much talent on this card, folks. <laughs> right. should, it really is a loaded card. Uh, if you if you're an old school wrestling fan, like the hard hitting, storytelling based uh, physicality and drama, with a little bit of seasoning of humor, uh, kind of uh, you know used kind of infrequently. There won't be anything funny about Bubba and Flip Gordon. That's not that's not a comedy act, mm-hmm. you know. And, and if Bubba loses, you can bet your sweet butt that oh, uh, Flip Gordon's going to pay the price until he gets to the finish. It's that's how they work. That's how it works in this business, I think. So uh, you you got such now that'll be you and Colt, right? So the, that show. Yeah, Colt and I are, are ready to go, and cool. we've already been texting back and forth. For especially the guy that you like, Zach Saber Jr. And, and this is a big opportunity for his opponent, Jonathan Gresham. And mm-hmm. so we're we've been starting starting to trade notes already on the the talent. And, and Colt and I this will be our second final battle. This is the the biggest event of the year uh, for Ring of Honor. This is our you know some people say it's our WrestleMania. I like to as our Starcade just by the proximity in the years mm-hmm. that they used used to fall and. Um, this is where where it all comes to a head, and it, and Colt and I we couldn't be more excited, and it's just been such a such a blessing to have him as a partner. Yeah, you guys have good chemistry. You match up well. You sound good together. Uh, you're unselfish, and your first uh, objective is to get the town over. And I love all those those traits, and uh, so it's going to be good. Hey, listen, uh, I'm I'm excited for your career. Uh, you're doing a great job. Your credit to the broadcasting business of, uh, of wrestling. And quite frankly, right now, at least in, and I say these things, and, I, and I'll say this with, a, with this uh, uh, asterisk, uh, I'm not bitter and I'm not angry, but I'm not overwhelmed by the sound of most announcing. I just got to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I don't like the, I don't, I don't need witty sports center banter uh, during physicality in the ring. That's telling me the announcers want to get themselves over more than they want to get the town over. And that's not good. That's not good. So my hat's off to you guys. And, hey, you never know, man. Maybe someday uh, you, you can tag me in and I can come uh, be your sidekick for a, for a match or, a, or something sometime. So never say never, Ian. Never say never, my boy. Never say never. Oh, that would be, that'd be great. And I appreciate the compliments. Um, it's just, it's been a wild ride. It's happened pretty quick. Um, but I'm really appreciative of, you know, where I am and, and hopefully where I'm going. And it's, it's been, it's been really great to talk to you today. And, uh, you know, I hope, I hope folks tune in to, to final battle Friday, December 14th. You can watch it. You mentioned the fight TV app. We have it on the honor club app for ring of honor as well. Um, it's just so many ways to watch it. regular pay-per-view as well. If, um, if you're not as tech savvy, so Hey, we're really excited. It's the biggest card of the year, and and who knows? I mean, 2019 on the horizon. Anything can happen at Final Battle. It's, it should be pretty pretty fun. I agree with you. Well, listen. Uh, enjoy your day. Uh, my best to your family. Uh, take care of that uh, two year old son because that's a handful. Man, you got, <laughs> you got what an adventure you're on, pal. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a real good adventure right there. Those little rascals. So good for you. <laughs> And uh, so my best to your family. Have a happy holiday, Ian. And uh, keep up the good work representing pro wrestling as it should sound. You're a good man. Uh, thank you, JR. I appreciate that. Well, folks, that's a fine young man right there. Ian Riccoboni, very talented. Still, his game is still evolving. He's going to be great. 
he's already really, really good. But, you know, you can't expect a guy to be doing this thing for, like, I think he's been Ring of Honor for four or five years. You don't get great in four or five years. But he is well on his way to becoming uh, uh, one of the primary voices of the entire genre before it's all said and done. And I totally support what they're doing at Ring of Honor. Hope they have a successful pay-per-view coming up in a little over a week. And uh, I'm sure we'll have Ian back on our show at some point in time. Uh, again, thanks for those of you that rate and subscribe to our program. It's free, you know, and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. We're everywhere. We're ubiquitous. We're just like chicken litter in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and I do appreciate those five-star reviews. We, 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 we hit our goal already. Then we revised our goal to go up higher. So we're, our goal is now 1,755 star ratings by the end of the year. We need exactly 158, 158. So if you can help us out there, help a brother out, and your brother's got to eat. Uh, with that five star rating, we appreciate it. Cocky for life says since my childhood, Jim Ross has always been, and in my opinion, will always be the greatest commentator in all the sports or sports entertainment. Wow. That covers a lot of ground there, cocky for life. Thanks, JR, for continuing to unapologetically be you. Can't wait for next Wednesday. Yep. I can't either. We do another show. We have a new show every Wednesday. Uh, also got this from Joe Smith, real name. <laughs> Says, thank you to JR for being an oasis of reality, helping me understand the world of fantasy. Very nice, Joe. I'm proud of you, buddy. You're a wordsmith. Uh, remember, we, those comments, questions, whatever, interview suggestions, the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, as I said, episodes escape every Wednesday on this network, which is also, of course, the mighty Westwood one. Uh, I'm on Twitter at JRSBBQ, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Jim Ross BBQ. And as you know, it's uh, Christmas is right around the corner, kids, right around the corner. And uh, I believe deep in my heart that our products make great gifts, great stocking stuffers, our book, ebook, hardcover, audiobook, Amazon.com got it all. WWShop.com will have some JR's products back on their site any moment. And, of course, uh, uh, Ingalls Markets, over 200 stores throughout the southeast. They got our sauce, sauces, or mustard, or ketchup. And I think those are make great stocking stuffers. Then you can just devour it. Good stuff. And we appreciate your support, quite frankly. And don't, also, don't forget... Our good friends Ryan Barkin in Chicago at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, they got JR's, a lot of shirts. They got good designs. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Jim Ross if you want a shirt. And we got them in size, uh, I think 5X might be the biggest. If you can't wear a 5X, like yours truly, you might need a salad. So uh, that's going to do it for this week. I'll see many of you in Cleveland, I hope, on Saturday afternoon. Again, we're going to record that show for a future podcast here on the Jim Ross Report, a special show. Uh, bring your questions. Be loaded for bear. We'll have a lot of fun. 
So until next week, folks, remember, especially this time of the year, uh, it's good to do things for other people. It's good to think about those that aren't going to have the level of holiday that you might. And maybe you could do something to help that along. It's not the price of the gift. It's getting a gift. It's getting something to someone who deserves it and needs a little happiness. And don't we all? So, folks, it's about that time I get in that old uh, 2011 Escalade with 58,000 miles on it. Head back to Norman and call it a day from the Cat Studios, high atop some building I don't know the name of here in Oklahoma City. So until next Wednesday, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. The Westwood One Podcast Network, 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. Vince targeted the AWA very, very aggressively. Sergeant Slaughter, Jesse the Body Ventura, Hulk Hogan, as I said, and probably more. All those guys came from the AWA to the WWF. So Vince was not only applying pressure on the television side of the business, he absolutely gutted Vern's roster. 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. Free, free from the Westwood One Podcast Network. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.